0: Hello and welcome to Como Sestas. It is September 20th, 2008. This is the, was it 8th, ninth episode? I just looked at the number. It's the ninth episode of the season. We are back after considering us a short hiatus. There's only a month and 10 days. That's very good. Um, I'm here with Rob.
1: Hello, everybody. How's it going?
0: That was a terrible prompt for you to talk. I'm sorry about that. We're, <laughs> we're here because we were um, at the PWG Bola shows this past weekend, and we also found time to watch a CML anniversary show. So we have two whole things to talk about, and we have to talk about them today because tomorrow every single promotion on Earth is streaming a Lucha show, which is going to make it tough. So we probably thought, thought we'd talk about them before you forgot all of it happened. Um
1: You're going to have to teach me how to stream three shows at once. You're a technical wizard.
0: It's like you need to have as many devices as possible. In theory, (laughs) the CML – I don't know. Is the crash show going to be done by the time the CML shows start? Is the crash show going to start after the CML show, or is they going to overlap? I don't don't remember the last time this has happened.
1: I mean, it's got to have happened at some point recently. It
0: definitely, yeah, because they've run Friday nights. It's just the crash streaming stuff. And if you missed it a couple weeks ago, the crash is now streaming on Facebook. They say they're doing everyone, and we're kind of getting our hopes up that they're going to do it. But it is the crash, so who knows? It may just never exist, or it may just go perfectly fine. You never really can tell. but. Um, they're streaming, AAA has their Twitch show, which is a show that I was specifically told by people with AAA that the show was not streaming, and now it is streaming, so who knows what they're going to end up doing. I mean, it's going to stream, but who knows if anything's actually going to happen, or if it's going to be like a a special house show, but it should be a, it should be something. CML has a halfway decent show. Um, Following up their anniversary show, which... It's Thursday, so we both have finally seen the show, which is probably the latest we've both gotten around to seeing the show since it's been able to watch it live. I think you had to go back to when it was just on GalVision and we had to hunt it down for us to watch it this far late.
1: Yeah, it's with all the travel, it's been hard to sit down. And then, it, I don't know, I just had no inspiration to watch it for some reason But I finally got around to finishing it up today. Uh, What was your excuse? Just the travel, right? It was the
0: travel? You know, I I cannot figure out the way to make myself not have a terrible day after travel. If it's sleep and then get on the plane or get on the plane and try to sleep and then come home. Because I was just doing falling asleep for about a minute at a time and then waking up on the plane for about four hours. And that was not good. And that was just completely out of my mind on on the Monday, I came home, and the Tuesday, it was back working and not doing any better. So, do not take any travel trip tips from me, because I have no idea what I'm doing. But I hope I, you sleep on the plane, so you probably handled a little bit better.
1: I mean, I'm tiny, so I, I sleep fine in the plane seats. But also, this time was even easier because I had three. I held the whole road to myself, so I could just lay down, and it was just like being in a bed, basically.
0: I had no one in the middle seat, which was a nice moment because I thought the plane was gonna be full and I was just tired of being around people. So it helped a little bit, but still still I was like reading a two thousand and one wrestling observer for about ten minutes and then sleeping for five minutes and repeating the process (laughs) on the way home. I don't know. This is not a criticism. (laughs) Of, of anyone's writing, but somehow the, reading the old observers helped me fall asleep quicker. I don't know what the deal is <laughs> there. I think it's I think it's all the all the print bunched together just tires my eyes out because there's no line breaks at all. So I don't know.
1: I always like the it's like the luck of the draw when you choose your seat before the flight because there were like maybe three rows of where you could have the row to yourself on the plane. And it just so happens. I was lucky enough. If I would have picked the role behind me. I would have had three people. If I would have picked the role in front of me, I would have been beside a child. So it's always fun to see how you, how you wind up. I always cross my fingers and hope it's, it's like if you board early, you just like keep watching everybody who's coming in your direction. You're like, please keep walking. Please keep walking. Please keep walking.
0: Yes. Yeah. I was, I was holding up cause I got in early in the plane too. And I was just hoping that no one else coming in my row and uh, just getting the space in the middle was nice. The only good thing that flight that worked out for me, and I'm sure everyone's really excited to hear about my flying adventures, instead of the lucha shows. But that both times I do both ways coming in and out, I had to check bags, and yeah. my bag was like immediately off the on the luggage carousel as soon as I got down there. So I didn't have to sit around waiting, and I could move on with my life. Which on Monday meant driving home in bad traffic and then getting nuts. So. I guess it could be worse.
1: Well, let me tell you about the, the, the worst human being in the world is the person who gets on a plane, comes to sit down, and has the middle seat, takes it, and then there's nobody in the aisle, but they still refuse to move to take the aisle seat.
0: That's a, yeah. No, you have to move. You have to if, a, if you can put a space between you and some other person, this is my general belief on life in general. If you can create room between you and someone else, you create room. <laughs> Absolutely. But those are the worst a lot of things about me and with me in person. But that's what I that's that's a motto of mine right there.
1: But I will say before we get off track, it was a pleasure having you. I'm so happy you chose to came out. I know that you don't like being applauded for all your hard work that you do, but you did get a shout out during the DJZ interview that's going to go up on the High Spots Network Which next
0: is, week. It's a complete lie. I don't believe anything you hear.
1: No, no, no. He put you over big time. And also there were people at the show who couldn't believe when I said, Yeah, I'm sitting beside Lucha Blog. He's here. They were so, because you just, you know, you blend in. You just take your seat and enjoy the show. You don't introduce yourself and go all over. But they were really stoked that Lucha Blog was in the house. Yeah.
0: Like, I, the whole idea of introducing myself, because I'm on Twitter, does not make any sense to me. So I never do it. In fact, I well, was reading a, a tweet from, a, from someone we were hanging out with over the weekend, saying hi, mentioning all the people that she, that she hang, she met at the show, and I realized I met someone I knew on Twitter, but I didn't know who that person was, and I didn't realize it until until days later. So, <laughs> that's how good I am at meeting people at shows.
1: There's a picture of you on Twitter now. You look a lot like the Cubs mascot. Yeah, it's it's weird.
0: It's weird <laughs> that I brought that. Yeah, I packed that whole mascot head and put it in my luggage, and just brought it all the way to L.A. But I thought that was a dedication to keeping my identity secret.
1: You really stood out in that crowd. Yeah.
0: I'm, I'm surprised more people didn't notice me and say something about it.
1: But we'll get into PW. We know that most of you listening to this probably aren't into PWG. So we'll start with the CML anniversary show.
0: Yeah. And maybe most of you were not into the CML anniversary show either. It was, <laughs> I, I think overall, I want to say that it's probably among like maybe the top 10, 15 Friday night shows of the year, but obviously did not feel like the, the best show of the year. I mean, even in this, in the condensed run of the, since LA Park showed up, it's not just the Negro Casas anniversary show that was better than it, but I think there's other shows with Phoenix on it and Pentagon on it, which felt like they were stronger overall shows. And it, even the main event, I thought the main event was pretty good, but it was not the, it was not the high end match of year candidate that even Greg Guerrero and the Ebola Roja, and Mom Oscar and Dragon Lee were the last couple of years.
1: You didn't say anything I disagree with. I thought this was a very good Friday night show. But just even off the top of my head, the Phoenix Cavernario show, the LA Park Rush show, the Negro Casas anniversary show, those are what I would call even Dos Leyendas. I would call those the high end Friday shows of the year. This was this was a very good show. It was not it was not super great. It was very good, and that's about as high as I would have it.
0: I think a big difference for us between this year and some past years is that we were not in the building for this. And I can tell this was a packed crowd that was more excited than sometimes it seemed like they were coming across on TV or on the stream. But otherwise, but it just, the matches themselves did not feel like they were going to anniversary length anniversary epic scales like we've had some segundas with the panthers and tiger and puma and other people where it seems like they were going all out to make a impression to steal the show from the second spot and it didn't feel like anyone except for the semi-main was really trying making that effort
1: yeah i mean i think that the people who were there live probably liked it way better than us as you noted and it certainly it certainly seems that way i know there's uh three different podcasts i have sitting on my sitting on my listening device that I can't listen to yet or I haven't listened to because I just finished the show today. Yeah, but I know. You,
0: do you avoid the podcast recapping the show until you watch the show yourself?
1: I do. Yes, because I'm always afraid. I'm not afraid of result Spoilers. Obviously I'm more afraid of move spoilers. Like I don't want to know if Volador was going to do his dive into the crowd. I wanted to be surprised by that. And it, the people who went live, I mean, I helped quite a few people who I'm surprised at how many foreigners went down this year, but I helped out a bunch of them and, there were other people who I didn't help out who ended up going, but I was reading their comments on Twitter. Everybody had a good time. And, I mean, we've been through this before, both of us many times, where we've gone to Mexico. We come back and we rave about how great being at Arena Mexico is. And these people got to experience it. There really is nothing better than being in a full Arena Mexico for a heated show like that. And I'm glad many people got to enjoy it for the first time this year with this show. I'm I'm sure it's an experience they'll never forget.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing notable about this is it sounds like, besides the one typo that had them charging $100 temporarily for the pay per view that got fixed quickly, it seemed like the iPay Per View stuff all went fine. There was no problem with it on internet TV. Sound like the Ring of Honor show went well. And judging from the numbers on the Wrestling Observer feedback, which was like all positive, some neutral, and no negative, which kind of surprised me. Yep. But it, it was also a lot more people, it seemed like, than usual. I had to go back and check. But it seemed like having it on Honor Club made a difference with more people watching it than they would have. was just on internet TV. And that will be interesting to see if that leads to more stuff on Honor Club.
1: Yeah, I'm also looking forward, because didn't we get a hint before that they might actually produce it with English commentary?
0: Yeah, Ian Riccaboni, who's the Ring of Honor announcer, said that they would like to do that. I'm not sure if CML has a clean version for them to do it, where there's no announcer, so that might be a problem. But just them having the interest in trying to do that um, makes a big difference. And you know what? I, I would have to say this was not Matt Taven's strongest match it, that he's had in Mexico. I th- thought he was off in points, but obviously having Matt Taven on the show in the big match probably made a big a difference for getting them on that ring of honor services first place so even if he didn't quite work on the ring he did serve a purpose in the long run
1: i mean for the commentary they could always do it like i used to get the cml shows that they would air on samurai tv the big shows and they would just they would have the japanese announcers just in a higher volume but you would still hear the mexican announcers in the background but quieter so they could always do that
0: yeah they could try something like that (laughs) I, I I hope they try something because it'll be interesting and, it'll be, and we've talked about it on Twitter. But it'd be nice if um, if this means also that they're going to do the Grand Prix because they'll have Flip Gordon. Right. Flip Gordon's the only earner, and the Briscos. So, the Briscoes, yeah. yeah. So I think that would be even a, a better show that would go over to their audience.
1: Now here's a question for you. I want to see if you noticed something that I I I noticed it immediately because I watched it out of order. So I started with the semi main. Then the second match, and then I worked my way from the top to the from the bottom to the top. Did you notice anything different about the way CML filmed this show compared to regular Friday shows?
0: They had extra cameras for sure. They had cameras specifically to show the crowd that they don't normally use, um, but nothing really otherwise stuck out to me.
1: Okay, so maybe it's just me, but I swear there was at least 60% less usage of that annoying overhead
0: camera. Right. I don't remember seeing that that much now you saw. Because I, I was watching some, I don't know if it was a Tuesday show or something like that, where they were doing the overhead camera for the book plug at the beginning. And it was the most pointless use of the overhead camera at all. So someone decided to back off on it, I, I guess.
1: I hope it's a decision going forward, because that camera is the worst. And the reason I noticed it is because... In that semi-main, I think they only used it maybe once or twice. And I was like, I wonder if this is going to keep up during the whole show. And then in the second match, they didn't use it for a while. Then they went to it at one point. And when they go to that overhead cam on a Friday, I always get annoyed because I know that that, they're going to stick with that overhead shot for at least 15 to 20 seconds. And I'm not going to be able to see anything that's going on. So I was just settling in for 15 to 20 seconds, but they cut away from that overhead cam within like three seconds. So I was very happy with that because that is – remember uh, when Lucha Underground started and they had that camera from above the ring?
0: Yeah, they had the same thing, and then they pulled that back, and they also had the camera that they used on the commentary show. Oh, the worst, and yes. They, that still pops up like once or twice a show, but they've cut it back a lot.
1: Oh, yeah. That was – but at the beginning, like if you go back and watch that first Lucha Underground show, it was like, oh, my God. You, could, you couldn't see anything when they filmed from that angle.
0: So it's nice that they've learned from their mistakes because there were also some mistakes in putting together this card that I would hope they would also learn from. I'm not sure they will, but it'd be nice if they did.
1: And hey, they do well. I mean, it looked like it was if you don't want to call, if you don't want to call it a sellout, I guess you don't have to technically because there were empty seats just in the corner all the way at the top, but for me, I consider that a sellout, 98%, let's say.
0: Yeah, this is kind of the the things that because it's it's not assigned seating. That could just be people assigned, instead of sitting in the corner, we're going to stand behind the upper level and just stand right. around. So I, I think once it gets close to being a sellout, it's probably just a sellout, and people just didn't like that viewing angle. Yep. Okay, so let's go match by match quick here, because some of these matches we can go past really quick. The women's, <laughs> match, the women's match was not good. The women's match, to me, they're – plenty I, I think we're both pretty low on the on the women's division right now but i think we both at least i think that there's plenty of friday night matches regular friday matches and maybe some tuesday and monday matches that go that went better than the match they had here everyone just looked off and seemed like they were doing less than usual i thought metallica was the only one who was really trying to have a big match i think isis is very into her new stripping gimmick but everyone else was kind of like just there
1: Okay, so you sent me a warning about this match. You said it before I even had a chance to view it. You said it was terrible. That was your quote. yes now, and also I heard uh, I heard Meltzer talk about it and he said that it was also terrible. Hmm. Maybe it's because you guys have actual expectations for the women, whereas I have zero expectations and assume that they're gonna be garbage the entire like no matter what the match is. I was not offended by this match. I Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was good. It was not good. It was very bad. But for me, it was just the usual very bad women's match, whereas someone like you who pays more attention to the women, I mean, I believe you when you say that it was terrible because when they do have what you call a good match, I usually say a shit. So what did you see in this match that made it so over the top in terms of, like, terrible?
0: It was like Dallas was in the wrong position and she was not – um, doing much, Marcella also seemed like she was doing a lot less than usual. I'm trying to remember the details of the matches I watched two days ago now. It was just, I think, it just generally also bugged me that you know, you're on the anniversary show, so and you're practicing these matches probably for a while and you could do a big match. I think the problem with the women in general is that they don't. Is when they have good matches, it's like doing simple things well, but they don't really push themselves to try anything interesting. And here it seems like they push themselves even less when they should have pushed themselves even more. Um, okay, let me see my notes. So yeah, Dallas, at one point, she took the laziest backwards kneeling over bump out of the ring to set up um, Shurgis' apron, or sugar ringboard dive onto the ramp. Which was the only dive in the match where you should be able to do the beauty of the anniversary show is that everyone should be able to do dives first first match and no one was doing much of anything. Um, there was a Marcella hit that forum to start the comeback, except the forum was like crap and there wasn't much of a comeback. It was just usually know what they're doing and make it can make it look you know, okay, but they seem like they were they seemed more like the show, a match you would see on the second of three shows they were working that day, and they just tried to get out of there as quick as possible, so I don't even know what, what the point of giving them this opportunity was if they weren't going to take advantage of it.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean, I saw all the things usually do, and I mean, for me, it was just the usual shitty women's match, like I said, and I mean, honestly, I was mostly offended by the fact that Like you said, they got this opportunity and this is what they chose to do with the opportunity because, I mean, if you take them out and you put the micros in, for example, they get a much bigger reaction and they'll do stuff. Or even if you don't want to put the micros in, you want to put some of the undercard guys who deserve a chance, they will put in a far better effort than the women did. So, listen, these women are all useless and the division's going nowhere. It's only going to get worse from here on out. I guess we'll see how they do girl from Costa Rica does when she comes in on Tuesday.
0: She's only in for one match so it's not going to make much of a difference. Um, well, there you like, go. If I'm looking at true, it looks like Kahu, Kahu Kobayashi, the Japanese girl who was in earlier this year and was supposed to be coming back into October is now not coming back so that's not going to help either. So we're that's stuck,
1: another bad thing.
0: We're, we're, we're stuck with. We're stuck with who we're stuck with but they don't seem like, um, they, they, they don't seem like they're that concerned about it. I mean, I'm sure the priority with the women's division right now is the bodybuilding contest, which we haven't heard mentioned yet, but it's obviously probably coming in a month or two.
1: I mean, it's not even the women's division per se. It's the Dallas division. Yes. It's just like, you know, she gets to do whatever she wants. She can win whenever she wants. like the most blatant example of that was uh, like what, three or four Fridays ago when she had a singles match with Karo Chita mm-hmm. where the result was completely meaningless, but Dallas still went over for some reason, even though, Karo Chita can, can use those type of wins to establish herself. That just pisses me off.
0: She wins, if you look at her win loss her, she wins amazing amount of matches for someone, for Ruda, when usually the ECML has the Rudos lose a lot of the time. So. But that's just how it's going to be until she can't do the bodybuilding contest anymore.
1: Anyways, let's just move on to something that was better.
0: Right, Angel Leoro, Nieburoha, and Audaz beat Felino, Mephisto, and Negro Casas. I thought this was good, not great. Actually, I thought this was okay. It seems like Angel Deoro and Niebla Roja have looked sharper, especially when they've gone against the Dinamitas. They did some stuff here that was all right, but they also didn't seem like they were pushing themselves to do more for the big show. Adaz got a few spotlight moments and did well with all he was given, but it was, and the idea was to make him a bigger star of it, but they just really didn't have enough time to go too far with it.
1: Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good, actually. That It it really shocked me at the end when they had Audaz go over Mephisto clean with the armbar, because that is 100% the complete correct booking decision you need to make. And I'm always confused when CML does something like that. Uh, he, had his, he had a big dive in the first fall after his big exchange. He led the comeback spot. He got in another big dive when they did the very cool triple dive spot. I thought oh, both other technicals, the Chavez brothers, looked good. Negro Casas was incredibly over. It was amazing when they the whole building was chanting his name. Uh, the match was definitely improved by Niebla leaving and Mephisto entering. So I was happy to see that. And Felino looked good. I got no complaints about this match. They did everything right. And I'm guessing next year, Audaz at this time will be in a much higher position it would be nice to have templario in it but mephisto did his job perfectly fine
0: i i would wish he would be in a higher position but i would expect they would be like maybe just one match higher but and still doing about the same thing
1: i mean it's possible but i mean he'd look amazing in this match and clearly they they made the decision to have him go around the end because they could have reversed it they could have just had mephisto win but they they clearly went out there to have audaz get the win and he did and this was very good. I, I really enjoyed it. Perfectly, this should have been the match that, like, uh, this was the type of match, like you said, when you were talking about guys in the Segunda going out to steal the show, I thought that these guys had a step up from what their usual match would have been because it was the anniversary. And they showed the women, like, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to bring your best on a night like this.
0: Yeah, it was. it's weird because there there's a story today about Sofia Landell announcing about how they're going to go for the future and they have these these people are focusing on and audaz was weirdly not on that list but dragon rojo was and i thought it was the most random list possible clearly whoever's booking that does not agree with the list that, of names because dragon rojo is nowhere to be seen on this show <laughs> and nowhere to be seen most and they were really behind audaz in this whole, the way they put together this match so
1: well they also had Hachisero he- in that poster and he was just on commentary for this show so have you right. seen that that graphic that's out there? I don't know where it came from, but everybody seems to be sending it to me. I don't think it would have come from CML officially, but it's like uh that it in Spanish it's written that this is the future of or no, the future yeah, of CMLL is in good hands.
0: Yeah, that Blue Panther Jr. posted on Twitter. Um and has but to be it fan. came
1: from it came from somewhere else. It didn't come from him, but no, I'm
0: I mean, sure someone sent emphasis in it.
1: Right, exactly. But it came from somewhere. I was just trying to figure out where because I mean, the people on the poster are fine. The only one missing really is Templario.
0: Yeah. And he was missing from the show, sadly. <laughs> uh, the third match was Quintero for Ciro, Sanson beating Atlantis, Mystical, and Sobriano. When they could get around Atlantis being in the match, because Atlantis really had no business being in this match, um, it was a pretty good match, I thought. I thought like they did with audaz in the second match they really spotlighted the new original and didamitas um they they got a a lot of their cool double teams and triple teams um and misco got to do their dives the continues to be really good on these big shows and completely booed at the same time it's amazing it's an amazing deal but this is really i think the rules match and a real showcase They probably should be doing something bigger, but they've gotten to do big matches on the last couple, on the last Dos leandas and on the last anniversary that I I guess it makes sense. It's just not their turn, but they still felt like they were big deals on the show.
1: Yep. I think that, like you said, there was no reason for Atlantis to be in this match. uh, I would have swapped him in LA Park's kid, but you know how that goes. Yeah. But he i mean the he LA Park's kid will look just as good as he did in the semi I mean, in this match and I think Atlantis would have added even more heat if he would have faced off with LA Park and all that all those guys. But anyways, I'm off track. This match, very good. I liked it. The the Dynamitas are great. Like I said, I mean, I know there's a lot of people online who are saying that the Dinamitas are getting pushed. The the young Dinamitas are getting pushed because they're so good. But it's the exact opposite. We are lucky that they are yes. so good. Because they are, they were going to get a push from day one, no matter what. We just, we should thank ourselves. That they're as talented as they are. Because in another situation, I mean, they could have been, they could have all been the quality of Universo Dosmil Jr. And imagine how bad that would have been for us, because they would have gotten the same push. So this is working out great for us. They are great bases. I thought their offense looked tremendous in this match. They're really starting to gel, come together with all their moves. I like that arrow had the guts to pull off the second rope springboard elbow because that's a risky move. You can slip on it, make yourself look like a fool, but it, at the same time, it's also a fantastic move. It, it's a killer move when you pull it off, and he nailed it. Mystico looked good. Sobrano looked fantastic. I think that this match was shortened a bit because there was no long Sobrano exchange where he gets to do all his moves. He got a couple dives in, but the only mess up I remember was at the end where... Sobrano went for a top rope Frankensteiner at the same time that one of the Dinamitas was sitting on the ropes. And because the Dinamita was sitting on the ropes, the rope was hanging down a bit. So Sobrano miscalculated and didn't step and he slipped. The crowd got on him, but he recovered just fine. And it, uh, the Rudos went over clean. I And Atlantis got the Atlantida. I was very happy for him.
0: Did he get the Atlantida? I don't even remember it.
1: He, he got it, but it was broken up quickly in the third fall. But he did get it.
0: Okay. So I remember him doing the side slam in the second fall. Like,
1: yeah, I don't, it was I in don't. the third. It was in the third fall where he got he got one of them up, and then quickly the, the other two Rudos broke it up with kicks. So I think that that was the plan because if he would have had trouble like getting him up, they would have been there to break it up immediately, so he wouldn't have looked like a fool. But he did get him up.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the long term. Um, Thing for the last it was you know when you think back on it it's probably a little bit surprised that they didn't find a way to, screw, to squeeze in maybe not even a match but introduction of Tiburon here given that he's probably I would expect that he's gonna be on this card next this time next year but I guess they're still holding him off. Yep we'll see the fourth match was the much awaited tile match between the Guerreros and the clan now C L four on <laughs> Can you
1: spell
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> With no one really explaining that Gilbert is supposed to be the fourth member. We're just all supposed to know this. Um, I is that right? I don't even know that. I, I, I assume they're supposed to, because they were the four people in clan chaos, but at no point has they ever said that they might've explained that in informer, but not. And also it doesn't really help to be a four man group in CML as we've learned time after time, but um, clan chaos wins the match. Oh, the X Clan chaos wins a match and wins the CML World Tri- Trios Championship. I was kind of tipped off that they were going to win because CML had finally decided to make them an entrance video, which is something they don't bother to do for months unless someone's going to stick around. Um, I thought this is what I thought about the uh, what you thought about the women's match. I thought about this. The, the,
1: Hold I'm on, before that, before you talk about the match, can we just can I just ask you a question that's bothering me? Sure. Okay, so you just said they won. We've seen this feud. This has to be leading to a hair match, right?
0: It has to be lean Super versus Ultimo Greer on the hair match. Maybe a cage okay. match where they, someone else loses first. But I mean, you don't do this so long without getting Super hair out of it.
1: Because we were at PWG when this result came in. And when I saw the result, I turned to you and was asking you like, what the fuck is going on? You couldn't hear me because the building was so loud. But then we talked about it later when when we got a chance to actually speak about the show and I mean, I was absolutely, I was sure the Guerreros were retaining here. And once I found out that Cows won the titles, I mean, it's got to be December. They've got to be doing something. Like, this has to be an agreement in advance where either all three are losing their hair or at least Sieber's losing his hair.
0: Yeah. Uh, um, I think it's it, that would make sense. It's just, it's still inexplicable because obviously they're not the draw that the other indie guys have been because the crowds have been going down from their height when they've been featured. But no one's been able to figure it out. Um I thought this match was what you thought the women's match was where I just see it as every other clan every other clan versus Guerrero's match where it wasn't very good, but I didn't think it was any worse than usual because I thought they're all bad. But it seemed like everyone else really hated this match particularly.
1: I thought the match was I mean I mean maybe I get heat for this. I thought it was actually perfectly fine for the first two falls. They didn't do anything wrong. They got in all their spots. I mean, the crowd really gets on the clan Cahos a lot. I think unfairly sometimes because they didn't fuck up anything, but the crowd was still shitting on them. I mean, they do work a lot slower and it's, it's very hard not to notice that they're clearly not at the level. I mean, I think Cybernetical is the worker of the group. (laughs) I think, I mean, what do you think?
0: I think so. I think, um, Charlie Manson is obviously done and should not be there. And Zorro has been very disappointing.
1: Yeah, I think Zorro is definitely the worst of the group. But when Sieber is the leader of your group, clearly you're not going to be a work-rate group. But he tries hard. I mean, he took the dropkick. He takes all the big spots in these matches. So I admire him for that. The thing is, what what lost me in this match is that third fall because it didn't look like they were ready to go home. It just felt like... They hadn't done anything. Then there was a double dive. And then Sieber basically just grabbed Ultimo Guerrero, put him down, and then his feet were supposed to be on the ropes, but they weren't on the ropes. They were underneath the ropes, which doesn't exactly give you any leverage for a pin.
0: Yeah, that looked that looked terrible.
1: Right. And then they counted the three and it was over. And I was I was just as surprised as the crowd was because it just didn't seem like that was the finish, but it was. And they got their titles, so I wouldn't say it was a bad match. I would just say it was a very disappointing match because for me it was it was good. It was heading somewhere and then it just kind of stopped out of nowhere.
0: I thought it's wasn't it the worst match they've had in the feud, but that I was. but nothing's been as close to the Guerreros versus but that first match where the Guerreros were doing stage jives and going all crazy. Didn't seem like, Yeah. Did,
1: this was like a downgrade.
0: Yeah, I don't know why that was the first match and every other match after that wasn't as good. And um I don't know why the feud's still going if they don't do that here match, and even if they do that here match, I don't think that means that much. So, uh, it's just it's this is what you're saying with the Dinamitas. It works out that we're really good with the the the, the Dinamitas are really good because we're getting them anyways. We're getting clan because we're getting clan. It doesn't really matter if they're bad or not getting over because they're going to be pushed anyways.
1: Yep, I mean, I'm curious to see where it goes. Like we said, the The scenario I'm thinking back to is, though, is remember when the invasores came in and they were invading CMLL, they actually gave Charlie Manson a hair match win over Negro Casas, if you can believe it. And the whole idea was to set him up losing his hair on the year-end show. But in the meantime, he bolted and he left the company. So he basically came in, looked like a superstar, won the hair of Negro Casas and left. And I, I could easily see the same situation going on here where everything falls apart before.
0: I can see that too. I, if I remember right, they were, they gave him a win over Necro Casas to build the Ray Bucanero getting a win, which seems crazy now. And also that Charlie left just because he wanted to go hang out with Cybernetico and Triple-A. So maybe it'll mm-hmm. halt that Cybernetico is in in Triple-A in to hang out with, but obviously if one goes, the whole group is going to go this time.
1: I do think uh match... Either in a, I think a cage, less so, but certainly an Ultimo Guerrero versus Cibernetico match would be would draw and be really heated because the arena Mexico crowd hates Cibernetico so much, and they would love to see they would love nothing more than to see Ultimo Guerrero take his hair.
0: Yeah, I think, and I think Ultimo Guerrero would love to see nothing else besides that.
1: And they took the feud. I mean, this clearly uh, they did a Guerrero versus Cauz match on the the last Cauz show, I believe.
0: I think so. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't all Carlos Azura was gone by then, but that was the idea. Right. The fifth match was the was the weird match. It really struck me how weird this match was once I finally saw it, because the sides are just kind of arbitrary here. We've got Crisco, HiHo, the Ali Park, and L.A. Park versus Diamante Azul, King Phoenix, and Penta L0MA. Um, the Lucha Brothers and the Azul team ended up winning. I thought this was... This was the absolutely best match on the whole undercard. I thought Phoenix and Penta were the two guys who most got that they were on an anniversary show and met the most of them because they were pushing it farther than anyone else. In one case, it didn't work out well for them when they tried to do the um, on Rana dive spot, but they mm-hmm. came back together and they made that work. And the match went on for it. got plenty of time, and I thought it made those guys look pretty good stars. It made you wonder why they did never went or did the Penta's Frisco match in CML itself. And the LA park seemed like he was kind of pushing the background a little bit. And considering where he should have been on the show, that was disappointing that he was like mixing up with Dina Montezal, but, but he got his spots in and he did fine. And then um, Pio del LA park did fine, except like, there was an early portion where you look a little clunky, but otherwise I thought it was pretty good. So I thought this was as good a match as you're going to get out of the situation with these guys.
1: Yeah, this was my match of the night. I thought it was good. It was definitely it was like an all star match, if you count Diamate Azul and Hijo Delia Park as a star, but the other four guys more than made up for it. the The one spot that went out that went wrong was the Frankensteiners on the floor, like you pointed out, but they recovered fine. And the crowd they booed them initially, but then they went crazy when they pulled the spot off a second later. So right. this was a crowd. Yeah, the the thing that really really struck out struck uh, stood out for me was. Immediately with the match with LA Park in it, it was a Zero Miero chant that occurred first and was really loud and went across the entire building. Like this guy is a superstar. I thought out of everybody on this show, the ones that came off as the biggest superstars were Rush in the main event and Penta in this match. Like big time ahead of anybody. And I thought when you'd look at actual work in the ring, Phoenix came off. Him and Volador were like Miles ahead of anybody else on this show. It was, I mean, Phoenix and Penta are pretty much the biggest stars in Arena Mexico, except for maybe two or three guys in CMLL. I can totally see why there are always rumors that the CML guys are super jealous of those two. They should be, because these guys are the example you should follow. They're just so much ahead of everybody. Like you said, LA Park was good in this match. His tope was out of control. I know a lot of people were shitting on the Diamante Azul versus LA Park stuff, but I thought it was fine. I think that they blended off each other just fine. It was fun seeing L.A. Park beat him up. It was crazy seeing Diamante Azul give him the German suplex and L.A. Park get folded in half. I totally didn't expect that to happen. Uh, Just a really fun match. I mean, I wouldn't say it was... I saw a lot of people saying that, oh, this was one of the best L.A. Park trios matches his entire run in CMLL. I wouldn't go that far. I thought the Briscoes match was better. I thought some of the early trios matches with Rush and L.A. Park on opposite sides were better but this was definitely a very good match. And Phoenix actually didn't even do a big dive, if you can believe it.
0: Right. Um, yeah. It yeah, was just I a break at spot. I saw the dive that he'd done. In fact, it was great, but he get to do a dive on this show. Um, but hopefully he'll be back to be doing more dives later on. It definitely seemed like, I think there was thought that these guys were around just to work to get to the anniversary show, but it feels like they're going to be around longer than that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Phoenix is working this Friday in the main event, so he'll be around. I'm sure Penta usually has a lot of Fridays booked off, but I know that he was telling me this weekend he, he wants to come back. He he still hasn't gotten his spotlight like singles match at Arena Mexico like Phoenix did. So you know Penta's going to want one of those. Yeah. So. And, yeah, there, I mean, there's so many possibilities with these guys. It's crazy. Just looking, I mean, who wouldn't want to see, like, a Russian Cavanario versus Lucha Brothers match or even Russian Taribá?
0: Yeah, yeah. if they did that tactile match, I think that would be a big deal. For sure? It, it was just at this point that Phoenix didn't have his new belt with him, because that would have been amazing.
1: Oh, I wasn't even paying attention. Damn. Did, did, what, did he come out with a title at all?
0: He did not come out with a title as far as I remember.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I was wondering how that situation was going to come off.
0: Because he, he had it on Impact tonight, too, so I was, I was thinking about it again. That, oh, that would have been great. But I don't think they would have been really happy with that.
1: And they didn't end up working that Friday
0: impact taping, right? Right, they did not. They taped two weeks of stuff on the same, on a Thursday night and then did not come back for Friday.
1: Because I know somebody's listening to this, who's a regular listener, and was arguing with me up until the day of the show. Mm -hmm. And I flat out told them, I know how the CML schedule works. Plus, they had that autograph signing at like 3 p.m. that day. There was no way they were going to rush from impact. In Mexico, even though the show is 10 minutes away. In Mexico City traffic, that means usually 45 minutes. Yes. There was no way CMO was going to risk not having them in the building.
0: Right. Not for that show. Not for most Friday nights, but definitely not for that show. So the main event was Barbaro, Cabernaro, and Rush beating Matt Haven, Voldor. I thought the entrances were really great, but also really telling that we played Rush's theme song and Voldor's theme song, and they started brawling, and Cabernaro and Haven were nowhere to be seen. It was that awful.
1: was that was so confusing, right?
0: Yes, it was like it, it was like they had changed it at the last minute to finally have a singles match, and <laughs> they did not have the singles match. But the whole dynamic of this whole thing was really weird because we had um, Rush, who everyone hates. We have Kevin Hart, who the crowd loves because he's a hardworking guy who never gets his his due. We had Taven, who the crowd was lukewarm on, going closer sort to of booing because he'd only been to Technico for a few weeks, and. It just and no one really has accepted him totally as that role. And, and he and,
1: played a Rudo the entire match.
0: Yeah, and he played Arudo at the end of the last of the match last week too, when he got on with the fans. And we had Volder Jr., who the crowd usually loves, but was not as high on as usual. This is also the anti-Tekiko standpoint in for these big shows. Like how Mr. Smooth Volder is not always everyone's favorite guy. So it just didn't feel like. Vela Kevin was the big face in the match, but he and Kevin and Rush were supposed to be playing the heels, and it just didn't all work together from an emotional standpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, right from the beginning, like when I saw Rush come out, and then the, the music was really cool the entrance was amazing, the, the live singing, although it wasn't live, he was lip singing, yes. which Rush really exposed, Rush exposed.
0: badly. Yeah, that great.
1: <laughs> and then they cut into volador's theme i was like oh shit i missed Cavernario's entrance i have to go back but i didn't miss Cavernario's entrance like did they not talk about this beforehand maybe they should have sent Cavernario out first then hit rush's music then transitioned into volador and then sent Taven out but cml doesn't really think these things through no they
0: just, uh, they just kept but, on going and didn't really make any sense together
1: yeah, and then all of a sudden they start brawling, and then and then it was the most awkward thing because then Taven came out third, and then Rush and Volador are brawling on the floor, and Carnageo is just standing in the ring, or Taven's just standing in the ring, taking off his gear without a concern in the world, and then Cavernario comes out and jumps into the brawl on the floor, and then Taven's like, "Oh, I guess I might as well join this." It was just really, really awkward. Like the whole match, as you said, I, I never got emotionally invested in this the way. You remember the tag match from earlier this year? The, the finals of. Mm, what um, was it, the for, finals? The
0: this incredible. Incredibles this tournament was the one where it was really with Russian Jury Blade versus. Who was it? Boulder and Altamont Guerrero? I, I think, think
1: Valiente, no? Maybe Valiente. That was the, no, that was the tag title match. Yeah. It was Guerrero. Both those matches had more emotion than this one, in my opinion.
0: Yeah.
1: It was just there was some dynamic missing. There it was also like you, you pointed out earlier on the show that Taven was really off on a lot of points. I thought he just appeared to be in a shitty mood. I don't know. His stuff was off. The way he was acting
0: towards the crowd was really weird. Uh, there were times where he was like in the wrong place where there was mm-hmm. the double dive spot where Kevin Rush rushed on the floor, but they were waiting a while for Taven to run over the clothesline. I mean, Boulder had directed them to do that. So Boulder could do the dive into the crowd
1: yep and then it, there was the whole thing about uh the i mean the, well the finish we'll get to in the first place but i mean volador looked like a million bucks everything he was doing was great i i just one of the best in the world the way he was performing in this match but he had nowhere to go i mean the first fall was fine the second fall was fine but the third fall it never hit like usually those cml matches built to the third fall where you get near fall after near fall and everybody screaming and This match never felt like it had it. It had two or three moments. Then they went straight to the eliminations. And then it came down to that finish, which I thought was just a terrible finish. I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Rush was pointing to Edgar to look away. Then Volador was pointing to Edgar to look away. Then Taven just walks into the ring and Edgar's watching, even though he's already been eliminated. And he goes for that kick off the ropes. And I couldn't tell if Rush was supposed to be more evident that he moved out of the way or if it was supposed to be on purpose that Taven kicked Volador, they never really got across what the whole thing was. You know, and,
0: Taven was so off the rest of the match, it also made it hard to tell if this was another thing that a spot that went wrong or if this was a spot that was went right that just wasn't communicated correctly.
1: Right. Uh, I know Meltzer and the Observer gave this four and a half stars, which blew me away because I'm usually the high man on Volador CML matches and... I mean, if I was ranking this star writing-wise, I might go three and a quarter at most. Maybe four. I don't know. Maybe I'd have to rewatch. But this was certainly not a high-end CMO match by any stretch of the imagination. And the head shaving was really awkward in itself because Taven ran away. Yeah. And then Volador grabbed him. Because and
0: the, then the whole finish also with Taven turning heel after four weeks just kind of overshadowed what was supposed to be the result. And Kevin mm-hmm. are the rush to the background because we're doing the stuff with Taven Volder, which doesn't appear to be going anywhere because Taven's gone. And Volder is also has missed every show since, so who knows even what's going on there. It just – Yeah. It, it's a very strange – it was just a very strange feeling. I thought the, – the one other thing about the match is I thought Kevin Norr worked very, very hard. I thought mm-hmm. he, he really tried to make himself in that match in the crowd – really behind him. I thought he was, I know you like Boulder. I thought Kevin Erick was the best guy in that match for what all he did.
1: I mean, Boulder and Kevin Erick carried things like for as bad as Taven was. I don't know if you could blame Taven or Rush for this, but every move that Taven did to Rush looked terrible. I'm not sure if that was Taven being off, like we pointed out, or if Rush has a lot of work to do in terms of learning to adapt to taking moves that aren't the usual stuff that he's involved with. Because if he has goals of making it to where his buddy Sombra is one day, he's got to get a lot better at taking these American style
0: moves. Yeah, it was funny because Volder, part of his promos he was doing before the match in the week up was saying that, that Rush was even half the Rush or Sombra was. And that match <laughs> kind, of, kind of proved this point a little bit more than he probably wanted to prove. I mean, Rush was way over and Rush you could see Rush's charisma through the match even when things aren't going right. But it was not like Rush was taking it to a different level in this match.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think so. At the end of the day, I think that the best match was the semi main. The worst match was the women. And it was a, if overall, I'd give it like a 7.5 out of 10 type show. Very good show. Definitely something that I think would appeal to fans who don't watch CML regularly and they're just stepping in just to see it cuz it's the anniversary show. I could see them thinking higher than the show that I do. But as a regular CML fan, I thought very good at best.
0: Yeah, I think I would say about the same. I think I think there was the they didn't do a r- really good job of making it by, feel like a big show. They took advantage of not being on YouTube by feeling free to show the dance numbers which were both I thought pretty good. They had the extra camera angles and the extra lighting that they cut they know how to make it a big show when they have to make it a big show, which kind of makes you disappointed that about all the other shows that they do it really tries hard. But mm-hmm. at, least, at least when they have to make a big deal, they have to make a big deal. They can make a big deal out of it at least.
1: Yeah, I hope that the next step in this evolution is them realizing that on big shows they have to present big matches. They don't all have to be stim matches, but yeah. this match definitely could have used the second the show, definitely could have used the secondary match that wasn't. The trio's titles.
0: Right. And they have so many people that they could have used. Hector did a great job announcing, but I think he probably could have been more help in other ways than announcing.
1: Yeah, you could have had him defend that title that he holds.
0: He doesn't hold the title anymore. Oh,
1: right, he lost the title.
0: You could could have had him getting a rematch for that title.
1: Sure, why not? Put Stuka and Hechicero in a rematch. Would have made the show even better.
0: Yeah. So So that that was CMO? That was CMO. Um, sounds like everyone went and had a good time. And I, I am okay with missing it, but it sounds like, it, it sounds like the expo they had that weekend sounds like that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, it. but, um, I expect that they'll probably have another big show sometime later this year to do the cyber stuff, or maybe a new year's day or something like that because they don't have much going on. And I bet the grand prix will be a pretty good show too. So that'll be something. Yeah.
1: And we just go through the whole cycle again leading up to Dos Leandas next year, whether they're going to do L.A. Park versus Rush or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did the whole song dance afterwards about L.A. Park and Rush could happen at any time. Meanwhile, uh-huh. L.A. Park still has the match with Wagner. Although the Planchitas column, the new rumor column I found like last few weeks this third, um they they're they're going with the idea that L.A. Park hasn't actually agreed with AAA to do the Wagner match. So who knows what L.A. Park? He may just be busy working US indies and never be around that match. He's a strange, he's a busy person.
1: We'll see. He burned his bridge. I heard at the Lucha Expo, so I'm sure it's only a matter of time before he burns his bridge at MLW. Yes. And he burns all the bridges to the point where he's back only working the same shows in Mexico he was a year ago before all this happened. I,
0: I, if, if you were if you're an indie promoter booking LA Park, I would not book long term. I would just go right away, do the big matches as quick as possible because he's probably not going to be around for a long time.
1: And also, I would make sure you have somebody to work with his son, because his son magically happens to end up on every booking that L.A. Park gets internationally. How does that happen? I
0: don't know. It's just weird.
1: And this Friday show, just to quickly put a a bow in, on a wrap-up CMLL. It's a regular show. Mystic over Sanegro Casas in the semi main is interesting. Phoenix in the main event. I'm curious to see if they do anything with Rush and Cavernario because my prediction is Cavernario is not long for the world of teaming with Rush and he's going to be back opposing him in incredible matches now that Terribles back.
0: I still I hinted on this tour. My idea, I still like him going to New Japan team at Bushi while Haruma was out injured because they have their tag team title tournament coming up and so they're going to need a title. Partner for Bushi, and it kind of makes sense, especially since they did the whole thing about the Governor boys stretching from Japan coming to Mexico. If they send someone back from Mexico to Japan, but the usual, no one usually thinks that coherently between the two promotions.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe you have inside information. I don't.
0: I never have inside information. <laughs> okay, let's just get real.
1: Well, let's get to the PWG recap.
0: Well, just before that, just rush through this. In case you are listening to this before Friday, there's also the AAA show on Friday. That looks like it's a AAA elite show. It looks like they have some probably the better matches of the two AAA and CML show, but it also seems like it probably is going to be a show that's not in, not a vital show to whatever AAA storylines are running this month or this year. But but you know, Fantasma and Cyclone Electro Electroshock, which is an Ellie Park. Yeah, I don't know, but you do get to see. Yeah, now that I'm looking at the card. I'm not as impressed by the card.
1: <laughs> I had the same reaction.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be cool to see Demas in on Twitch. And Cyclone Ramirez was fine last time, but there's a lot of there's a lot of good guys, but not any great matches. Maybe the women's match is going to be the best match on this card. Now that I think about it, because you know you have. Radio Kid and Hilda he Parker, but they're working against actual Parker and Pagano and Joe Leader. So, I don't know. This card isn't well put together. So, maybe we'll all rip it up and do a different one uh, tomorrow. Anything's possible with AAA. And then the Crash has... What does the Crash have? They have the...
1: The Crash has Gilbert Elborico versus Mecca Wolf on top, which is interesting because the semi-main seems like the bigger match. Because it, it it's Caristico and Penta against daga and they list Willard jr but like you said he's been mia and it's not unlike the crash to advertise guys who don't show up
0: you're you're telling me that they were just like list phoenix for a whole week knowing <laughs> he's not going to be there and just that just never mentioned it again that's just unlike them but even that match doesn't come together i don't know gilbert has i'm still waiting on gilbert being good because gilbert has not been good this year and even Lucha Underground, he has not been great. He's been good at times, but he has not wowed me like he has in previous years. Um, but even that match isn't good. You probably want to stay up to see Sober versus ACH, which is going to be a weird but good match. Depending yep. on how much ACH wants to do in Tijuana, because some of those matches he's not really full.
1: Dancing out. ACH.
0: Yes. And also we have Bandito, Flamita, and Ray Horse versus Angel Leo, Diablo and Tepo Leo, which should be fantastic. Um, I hope we get Bandito, Temple Leo spots. Yes. Be please. Really cool. Yes,
1: um, and then they go viral, and then Templario gets into PWG next.
0: Yeah, okay, so I asked you this on WhatsApp, so I'm going to ask on the podcast. Why, does Mucks Blood have to be two people, or can we include a lot more people? Because there are a lot more people I'd like to hang out with, Bendito and Flamita. And Ray Horse would not be a bad addition to that group.
1: I think you just have to learn the backpack dance, and then you can be a part of Mech
0: Blood. <laughs> okay. Well, what I've seen from wrestling matches with Bandito and Flamitas, is that's a really easy mat- dance for pretty much everyone to pick up. I've seen wrestlers. I've seen referees. I think people can do this. I think you can get in.
1: Well, we'll see. I mean, the card looks the card looks good from that match below. That's Oberano. Then you've got a mixed tag with Torito Negro, who's really good. Yeah. And then you have the opener where the opener of the crashers are always the best. They just kill each other.
0: Yes. It's going to be... So- Goodness. And it was it was sloppy as heck, and the show two weeks ago, but it was still mm-hmm. kind of still good. So hopefully, right. same thing. Hopefully, the Facebook thing will go well, but you know we never know. I, I I have no confidence in this, but I hope it works out.
1: And then, I mean, from what I hear, is the crash will be back a month later, on the nineteenth of October, which will be a big weekend for them because they would be running, they would have access to a couple of their talents because that would be the same night that PWG is running a show. And that same weekend on the Sunday, the twenty-first, they actually have a show listed in Colorado of all places.
0: Yeah, there's been like lots of Luther pro- promotions actually running in Colorado, so including mm-hmm. um, people associated with the Crash that helped out with those shows. So it's not as crazy as it seems, but it's still going to be a it's still going to be a big adventure for them bringing Matt Seidel, Reeve Phoenix, and Crisco to a that's going to be kind of an expensive show and hopefully they can draw enough to make it worth their time
1: yep we'll see it's going to be a busy Friday I think my priority is going to be the AAA show and then when it overlaps with the crash the crash because I can always watch CML later on the on the YouTube and I don't think there's anything on CML that's going to be must see
0: I think because I stream the CML show I kind of have to watch the CML show um, I think uh, sucker yeah, I, I think the AAA show may be better, but I can watch that later. I can watch that later in Twitch trial problem, And then I'll see if I have any energy to make it to the end of the crash. I still have like five different recaps I haven't finished, including the last crash show. So maybe I could work on being those done too. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, the one other thing we need to recap would be the Ebola weekend that we saw. Yes. Three shows. Finally. You convinced me to come out to um, Los Angeles do you think that was a good decision for you to convince me to come out to Los Angeles?
1: I think you finally made a great life decision.
0: I, I make so few of them, but I think this was actually a really good decision. I kind of, by, you know, by night three, it was really obvious was a great decision. But even by night two, it was, they were having great shows. Night Listen, one,
1: I I am I, ahead of the game because you need to start covering PWG because it's turning into Lucha Libre USA.
0: Except without, you know, the race fading angles, so <laughs> th- th- that's a good plus. Um, yeah, it's – they have so many luchadors. They have so many foreign talent. I noticed, I noticed on Twitter among a 100 other stupid tweets I made that weekend, but that it's it was so weird that, like, I think three-fourths of the people are being introduced in kilograms because there were also – everyone from foreign places that don't actually use pounds like us crazy people do with the U.S., so – You kind of felt like it felt as international as it possibly could.
1: You Well, that's what you learned this weekend. You know what I learned this weekend? I learned that Hawaii is actually a part of the United States.
0: Okay. You did not know that?
1: Well, I actually turned to somebody who was behind us because in the main event, I'm like, oh, look, it's all foreigners. We've got a Mexican guy, a Japanese guy, and Hawaiian. And they're like, you realize Hawaii, Hawaii is a state, right? And then I just hit myself in the head because I think I was thinking of Puerto Rico for some reason. And Puerto Rico isn't an official state, right?
0: It's a territory but not a state. But you're still an American if you're from Puerto Rico. But we get, but, but because they're not a state, they get to have Puerto Rico teams and the Olympics and stuff.
1: Okay. so, But yeah, then I felt like an idiot because... I, I think I, just, I was confusing Puerto Rico and Hawaii for some reason. I don't know why, but I think I was just too excited at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> think a little bit. I, I thought actually the first night, I've seen AEW shows that were as good or better than the first night, but then the other two nights were just blown away great, in my mind.
1: Do you want to do this match by match? or just well, We can do it quickly. We don't have to go in details or anything, obviously. Yeah, but but.
0: Overall, which, what do you think of all three nights?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, as somebody who's been going to Bola and many other PWG shows since 2014, and is about to go to another one, that this was
0: a committee now. That's why I read on Twitter.
1: <laughs> don't believe everything you read on Twitter. The uh, this was definitely one of the best Bolas I've been to. I wouldn't say the best because I will always have a spot soft spot for 2015 when they brought Aerostar and Drago and Phoenix and Penta for the first time but the night three of this tournament was easily the best Bola night that I've seen overall since I've been going and definitely the best Bola final of all time. And there were PWG regulars who were there that would say that too. They were saying like, that's the best Bola final they've ever seen five stars. And that that Bola night three for them was the best Bola night that they've ever seen since the tournament began. That is really high praise because these people go to far more shows than even I do. And they were saying stuff like that. And I know I, the people, the PWG representatives were all just overjoyed with how things turned out.
0: Did it lose or gain anything from being in a different venue than it has been in the past?
1: Well, I mean, I was there for the March show already that they had the first one in the building. And I thought, I mean, there were some people that were saying they lost a little, but definitely those same people this weekend were saying that, no, this was just like Rosita, except we were more comfortable, but everybody was on their feet screaming, for that final night, at many points this weekend, not just the final night, they didn't lose anything. If the product looks so much better, like what did you think of the venue?
0: I thought it looked really professional. There's a building around here called the Congress Theater that that has allusioned shows that's maybe like four times the size, but took the best parts of that kind of sort of old-fashioned theater and squashed it together so everyone was really close to the ring or as close as you're going to get with that many people in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I thought it just felt like it it felt like we had room but we were all together it was it was all it kept the intensity level up while still looking like a like a more professional place than they maybe a rundown venue might have looked like
1: right the only the only time that we felt like maybe cramped in was when dives were coming and we were all running to get out of the way with our chairs yes but in Rosita, it's 10 times worse. So. Yeah.
0: And the first day of the show, I learned that you always have to grab your chair if you're running yes. through the chair. Otherwise, you may not get your chair back.
1: I forgot to explain that to you. That was the, my bad.
0: Yeah. I, I think you explained it to me in the past, but I, I just don't listen too long.
1: <laughs> well, we had great seats each night. We were second row each night. I, you know, we, were, we had great view of everything. Yes. Uh, do you want to go match by match?
0: Yeah, let's go match by match from the from the first day. Was the opener was Ray Horse was Adam Brooks. I'm looking at SoCal on for results. I did not realize this went 20 minutes. It didn't feel that long. It felt it was good. Um, I was there's some stuff about Adam's that did not really work for me, but I think they built to a good last few minutes of the match.
1: I definitely felt all of 20 minutes of this one. I thought they went a little longer than they probably should have. I don't think they had enough stuff to go 20. And when I saw them that they were going that long, I thought they were building up to bigger and bigger things, but they really didn't. Like, he didn't even do the, the DDTJ or the pizza DDT, however you want to refer to it. He never even pulled it off in this match, he was saving it up. And I saw Brooks versus Osprey on the last time I was there live for the Time is a Flat Circle back in March. Brooks looked amazing. In this one, mm, he was okay. The match was, I thought the match was good, but they definitely overstayed their welcome. I was really surprised by the finish. I thought for sure Brooks was advancing.
0: Yeah, I was surprised too. I think that was a big win for Ray Horse, who's been in PWG this year, but has not really gotten those these kind of wins before, so I think that was a nice turning point for him.
1: We might have missed a Red Herring, or I might have missed a Red Herring, because I follow PWG more regularly than you, and he beat Penta on the last show. I would have thought that The result would have been opposite. So once he went over Penta, I should have realized that it might have been because they knew that he was going to go over in the first round of Bolo. So logically, you want to send him in with some momentum. Mm -hmm. I know it's weird to, it's weird on a Lucha podcast to be talking about logic.
0: About logic and long term planning. Yes. The second match was Fomita and beating Puma Kid, Puma King, I'm sorry, in 1213. Puma was over from the moment he came out. The music using, as we, We both thought using a cheesy 80s song works perfectly for the people who go to BWG shows and US Indies in general. Um, Just his antics climbing and crawling across the ropes got over like this crazy deal. I was just amazed how over he was. Usually when it's like people who I am fans of in Mexico making their big match. Having their big debut or having a big match in the U.S., I'm nervous watching the match, hoping they do well. This one, he Puma was over so fast and so quick that I didn't really have time to be nervous. It was just obvious that it was going to work. And the, the mini was out there. It was, if anything, it was probably a little bit too much doing character work and doing comedy stuff over doing moves. But they did get to a lot of moves by the end of the match.
1: Yeah, I thought that was the one thing that stood out for me is that Puma wasn't over just solely based on his work. Mm -hmm. Where a guy like Bendito, when he came in the first time, it was his work that got him over. In this case, Puma's work was fine, don't get me wrong. But it was the character that got him over. I know the look definitely helps him a lot. He looks like a star when he comes out. He just, uh, the whole outfit that he has... He could do the comedy, like you said. Him and, I think this was really good that Flamita was in there with him, so it was someone he was comfortable with, because if he's going to want to make it in the U.S., eventually he's going to have to start working different guys, not just luchadors. Yeah. But Flamita was a perfectly good start, and Puma got a lot more offense than Flamita in this match, so he had a lot of time to look good and get his shit in, so to speak. Uh, he busted out his big powerbomb where he holds the guy up and then pulls him down into the powerbomb. And the finish was where he went for that off the top rope this time, and Flamita turned it into a Frankensteiner. and then one with a, a firebird splash, or not a firebird, it was the, phoenix, the splash. phoenix splash, right into the 450. Crowd threw a lot of money and chanted, "Please come back!" I don't think in his wildest dreams Puma could have imagined the debut going any better than it did.
0: Yeah, and then Puma sold out every shirt he had during the intermission, which was just craziness.
1: This was an Am- the- amateur, amateur mistake because he didn't have anything left for night three.
0: This was the, the one that finishes where I think the people are most upset. I, I, I think long-term, where they were going with Flamita, that they wanted them to have Bandito, face Bandito later on. They, they made <laughs> for Flamita win. But the crowd really wanted Puma to be around for a second match after this. And they were kind of really upset about um, Puma going out.
1: <laughs> Which surprised me because the PWG crowd loves Flamita. So yeah. I that just shows you how good Puma was.
0: It's another situation where poor Flamita gets overshadowed by someone else despite being an excellent wrestler.
1: <laughs> and and I will say that, you know, Flamita really he wasn't feeling so hot and he still went through with this match and did great. So uh really hard worker, very professional.
0: The next match was Seymour versus Jody Fleisch. Um I was disappointed in this match. I I had not I knew of Jody Fleisch. I've seen him, I think a little bit on his and his research and run here. Um, I haven't watched SEMA a lot lately. It seemed like Sima was not really, or Shima, was not really into... He was like an old lucha veteran who knew he had 16 minutes of work, but he didn't really want to do 16 minutes, so he did eight minutes of comedy to start out before we really <laughs> going. And they did a lot of comedy, a lot of, a lot of entertaining the crowd, but not really doing all that much. And I really didn't get a sense of what Flesh could do by the end of it, because there's so much Shiba doing Shiba's stuff. And I was disappointed when he actually won.
1: Yeah, I I talked to Shiba at one point on the weekend, and he actually told me, I'm an old man now. <laughs> <laughs> so he, self, he admits it himself. But this was definitely the older gentleman who realized, hey, I have three, maybe more matches happening this weekend and this is the first night, I'm not going to kill myself because I have to be available to work (laughs) uh, on Sunday. So he definitely took all the shortcuts he could. Uh, Jody didn't look too hot himself. He looked okay, but overall, this was definitely the weakest match of the first round. It wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't great. It was definitely just there. And I know from a couple other fans who were in the building, they were let down by it because they were looking forward to it far, far more than someone like
0: me. The match that fouled was Bandido versus T Hawk. Um, I'm sure they have faced in Draggate. I never thought I never got around to actually like looking this up, but they seem comfortable working with each other. T Hawk looked better than we were treated to him in IWRG and every place else for those for that year where he's wearing the awful MMA shorts. But he's still, you can tell he's talented, but he's also really cold as a performer. Um, he just does not, for whatever reason, he does not connect well with what he does. I think the crowd was behind Bandito anyway, so it made it an easy dynamic, and they were really happy to see Bandito to win. But I was not I went turned away from the T-Hawk match, but it did not make me want to seek out any more of what he's doing.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, this was the first sign of the weekend that Bandito was going to be the most overbaby face on the entire roster. It was crazy the way the crowd reacted to him. thought the match started slow. I was a little curious how these guys were going to work together. I know they've worked together in Japan, but you know you never know in a singles environment in a foreign country. But it picked up as they went along, and by the end, they really had the crowd going. This was definitely a high-end match for the first night of the tournament. The finish was amazing. I mean, Bendito's moonsault slam, he calls it the Guerrero moonsault, because mm-hmm. he got it from Ultimo Guerrero back when Guerrero was doing it regularly. It was fantastic. It looks vis- visually so impressive live. And they did the, during the match, they did the, the Dragon Lee versus Kamaitachi slaps back and forth, which really got the crowd on their feet. I think that might have been the turning point. So, really good. And it was really T-Hawk's only performance of the weekend because he was really invisible when we'll get to the 10 men on night three.
0: Yeah. I, I would have, even though I wasn't really thrilled with him, I would have rather see him advance over SEMA if they switched the two OWE guys around. But, I think given Shima's history, Shima's history in the promotion that they obviously went with him and also plus what other match they were setting up later on. They kind of needed him for that. We had the mm-hmm. intermission after that, and then they came back with Joey Janella versus David Starr. Again, you've watched a lot more PWG than I have, but my understanding is that David Starr's performances in PWG haven't always gone, as, gone well, and it seemed like he and Janela were going out of their way to try to make this a crazy match they had a dive sequence that just seemed like it was never ending (laughs) for two people. They, um, they went back and forth. Well, I don't remember many more details from this match, but that Janela land the super kick at the end. And it was a pretty entertaining match.
1: Yeah. This was another match that started a bit slow, but when it picked up, Oh man, did it pick up these guys, these guys have great chemistry. I mean, they worked all over the country. I know they had some killer matches in beyond and they've worked everywhere. They they did a, two spots on the apron where Star just dropped Janela and, like, the no, Janela dropped Star in the sickest way possible on his neck with, like, this crazy move. Then back in the ring, they did the spot where uh, Star hits a Canadian destroyer. Janela pops up and super kicks him, and then they both collapse. Very much Mexico with the package pile drivers and Canadian destroyers going on. Yeah. And the finish was good because the finish was just a super kick where you're, like, Wow, really! They ended with just a super kick, but it played into the tournament on night three. So, really good booking, really good match. Definitely on one of the higher end matches of the night. Also, I really, really like this. And I'm generally I'm not a big David Starr guy, but in this match, this was. There were other people who go to PWG regularly that were saying this was his best performance in his entire time in PWG. I
0: think this is a common thing we say about LAD's matches. This was a tournament where they really thought about. One matching leading to another, and stuff set up stuff early on that was going to pay off later. It was mm-hmm. at the first tournament. As far as a three day tournament, building on top of each other, this is as good as that as you're going to see, which is really refreshing for uh, some people who watch Lucha, where the tournament matches really don't make that aren't really given as much thought as they were here. Mm-hmm. I got up and saw and walked around a little bit during Brody King versus PCO, but I saw it from the edge of the crowd. Um, this was a PCO match. I've not sought out a lot of PCO, so maybe other people have more varied opinions about him, but he tried a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff worked. Some of the stuff did not work. Um, he got hit very hard and he kept on going until he could not go any longer. I thought this was exactly what you would expect from PCO, showing up in the first round of the bowl tournament and, I think they gave the people what they wanted from that even if it wasn't a particularly clean match at times
1: yeah I this was I think I tweeted out afterwards that PCO is 1993 Sabu bottom line yeah. he's gonna try shit he's gonna miss it 90% of the time but if, when he misses it it's actually more entertaining than if he actually hits it at times <laughs> like you remember that moonsault spot what the fuck was this guy thinking you yeah. you know you, you know math better than me. You explain the, the how this works.
0: I, I don't know how this would have worked even if you were trying it, but you know, when you tried to moonsault a person who was laying on the apron partially, it's you don't really have much room to miss. You don't really have much room to aim to begin with, especially less room when you're a giant guy like PCL. And so it wasn't He wasn't
1: even facing the right way. Like when he was gonna do the moonsault, he was facing the way he landed on the ropes. He hung himself.
0: Yeah, it, it, it Maybe he's going all the way, like 1993 Sabu, where he's intentionally botching some spots <laughs> to people up. I don't
1: know. Yeah, this was, the match was clumsy as hell. I don't think... Even the two guys will admit that it was clumsy as hell, and they were totally on different pages at various points, but it worked. I have a friend, actually, John, who attends PWG shows regularly, and he's kind of the guy who's like... If he wants to see a match, he either wants it to be four stars plus a great match, or he wants it to be negative stars, where... They just go crazy, and if they're blowing stuff, they're blowing stuff, but they're doing it in the most entertaining way possible. So he had a blast watching this match. They, were, they did what they did, and the right guy won. There was, I mean, I don't think anybody thought P- PCO was going to win this. He was clearly being brought in to do a first-round match, and he was the perfect guy to put in the 10-man on night three. So he was 100% losing. Brody beat him with this ridiculous pile driver variation. The only thing that surprised me here is that they didn't do the spot where P.C.O. gets electrocuted back to life.
0: Yeah, but yeah, he
1: he was super over.
0: He was super over. He did pretty much everything else, so it worked (laughs) for what it was. I don't think he would ever be back in PWG after this, as he did what he did. But Mm -hmm. as a one-time attraction, he worked fine.
1: Unless somebody, unless Zack Saber shows up one day specifically and is like, "I will only work the show if you give me P.C.O." I think that's the only the only way you see PCO back in PWG.
0: Yeah. The main event was the Rink Conf. I'm never sure how to say Rink Conf. I've read this a million times, but I don't know how to say it. Um, <laughs> Timothy Thatcher Walter, Casey Ilya, Ilya Dragunov, and Shingo Tagagi. Um,
1: These I, aren't even Spanish names. How are you messing them up? Uh,
0: yeah, I'm not as good with Soviet names. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dragon off, I've never seen. I, I've seen only seen pictures and gifs on Twitter um, from WXW. I've I've seen the I've seen a little bit of Thatcher. I think I've seen a little bit of Walter, and I've seen. I saw Shingo when he was do, when the Dragon Gate USA was still a thing. I'm pretty sure. Um, they did. I Ooh, deep, great, deep cut. Uh, they did a great job of building to, from Walter versus to versus Shingo, the whole man. Yeah, thought when they first got in, though, it was did not hit, they did not hit the chart or fight as hard as I thought they were going to, but that would pay off better later in the weekend. Um, I know this is not your style of matchup, but I thought Dragonoff was really great as playing the guy stuck in the ring, firing up all the time. It's very weird because it appears to be a guy from the 1980s USSR, but he's also a great babyface in the US. Doesn't quite make sense to me, but it works fine. Um, he also got just kill this match with so many hard chops so it was a very hard hitting match it was a long match but i thought it was a pretty good match
1: yeah not only was this not my style of match but i hadn't seen Elia before i think uh maybe like you i saw him in gifs and stuff but i purposely went out of my way not to see him so please don't if you're listening to this please don't treat me like ryan satin and call me out or anything I, I This is the same way I treated the 2005 tournament, where they brought in Will Ospreay and Marty Skrull and Mark Andrews. I don't want to see these guys ahead of time. I like to be surprised and see what they can deliver. That's just the way I prefer to watch wrestling. And even though I said all that, these guys were amazing. I loved this match. This was right up there for matches of the night for me. I got so into it by the end. I was worried that I wasn't going to like it because... They, they work a slower style. They don't, I love high spots. These guys don't really do high spots, but they do high spots in their own way. The hard-hitting spots are the high spots. And like you noticed, you mentioned, Ilya took a beating. His, his neck was all marked up from the chops. There was one awesome spot where there was like a pinfall going on, and Ilya basically jumped over uh, Walter to break up the pin with a drop kick. It looked, was the most amazing visual from where we were sitting. The the, the lariats in this match were absolutely sick. I thought it was great the way they did it. I thought the post match was even great too because both these teams were going to end up facing each other the next night in round two, in round one. So they did the whole Elliot Shingo walking off of Ilya Ili- Ili- and then Walter and Thatcher teasing problems because they knew they had to face each other. Just a tremendous match, tremendous way to finish up night one, and very different from everything else that we've been seeing because. This was the night where all the Lucha guys were in tournament matches because they were going to have a trios match in the next night in the main event. So the way the show was put together was just brilliant. I think the, the best match of the night for me, personally, even though it was more for an emotional thing, was Flamita versus Puma King. And then I'd have the main event as number two, and Benito versus T-Hawk as number three. No, yeah, Bendito versus T-Hawk is number three, and then Joey Dinella versus David Starr. And the worst match was Seema versus Jody.
0: Yeah, I could I could go with that. Go with that pretty much order. You know, you're, you're coming to you with some stack. I'm not sure if something's going on with your microphone, but it sounds like you're rubbing at something.
1: Oh, sorry. Maybe that was
0: me. Any um, better now? It's a little bit better. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, but I thought that was you know, it's back again. So I'm not sure what's going on, but we'll worry about it. Um, I thought that was you know, pretty good show. I would have the match in order, and then it. It built really nicely to day two, which on Saturday, which opened up with Trevor Lee and Marco Stone. Marco was the last-minute, last-last replacement for Chris Brooks, whose team seems all getting injured all at the same time, unfortunately for them. Um, Trevor Lee was great with his promo and also made, also, great in the match where he made Marco look awesome um, and then killed him at the end. I thought, it was a really fun way to open the
1: show. Yeah, I, thought I saw Marco two weeks ago at AW against MJF. And let's just say he didn't exactly tear the house down. But against Trevor here tonight, he looked amazing. Trevor is just so good. And I don't care who calls me out for saying this, but fuck TNA for having a guy like that around and doing fucking nothing with him. Like, this guy should be the guy they're building around. He is so talented on the mic, and I can't remember ever hearing him talk in TNA. He was great in this match. The match was basically the Marco show because Trevor was making it the Marco show. But Marco was so over, that's what the crowd wanted to see. And, I mean, everybody knew he was losing. So Trevor went over in the end, just as it should be. Just a super way to open the show up. This is is perfect. You can't even think of a match that would have been better opening up a show than this. Yeah,
0: I, I enjoyed the match. The fans threw in candy because <laughs> they found fun-sized candy. like They were throwing money in after the match. I thought that was a nice touch.
1: I'm surprised the venue allowed it.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised they got the candy in here. The candy was kind of everywhere. And then later we noticed that the candy was mostly empty, that people had enjoyed themselves the candy just in the wrappers. <laughs> How did they get so much distance on those wrappers? I don't know. It, it, it was a pretty good trick. The, the second match was Jonah Rock with Sammy Guevara. Guevara is the most evil man in all of PWG because everyone hates him for being Sammy Guevara and he's Sammy Guevara to the max. Um, the highlight of this was when he stopped to put the rest hold in and, sa- and then instead of putting the rest hold, he said this was going to be the boring part so he told people to subscribe to his channel instead of watching it. And then immediately Jonah Rock escaped the rest hold and beat him up some more. Um, Sammy did the dive did a diver off the balcony, which apparently is the first person to do that. Which, I think, as you know it to me later, it, was, it, it looked impressive, but it was also just about as high as the top rope is. So, just kind of seemed, it was a neat trip to pull off and make it seem like you were doing something more um, dangerous than you were doing. doing. and Iraq won, which was the finish the crowd really wide because they really wanted to hate Sammy. And, but I thought Sammy did fine this match, and I thought it was a, a, it was a fine enough match.
1: Yeah, Jonah hasn't really blown me away in any of his PWG matches, but Sammy was a good opponent for him because Sammy could bring the action while Jonah just did most of the catching and followed his lead. I don't think the result was ever in doubt because the way that Sammy was a replacement and the way they mixed up the matches, clearly they had to mix it up because Jonah was advancing. So they gave him Sammy. Sammy, yeah, that was the first balcony dive, which is stunning considering. The first time I walked into the building back in March for the first show in there, I could see, like, it was inevitable that somebody was going to do a dive. I'm surprised it took this long for somebody to finally do it. But Sammy's moonsault looked very cool. I don't want to steal Sammy's gimmick here, but you could actually see his moonsault off the balcony if you check out his vlog from the weekend because he took a video from a fan. Even though you're an asshole if you're recording, as Excalibur said.
0: Yeah.
1: Repeatedly. Uh, repeatedly yes but i mean you got to drive it in i mean that's how pwg makes their money so you know be cool people and yeah jonah rock went over sammy's out and then afterwards sammy gave us a nice speech about how you know he was he very happy with all of us and he knows that we hate him but he actually really loves us and then he just said oh suck my dick and walked off so that was very nice sammy
0: yeah sammy is the worst possible millennial at all times so yeah I would be it would be terrible to be associated with him or be in his YouTube video. So, luckily, that's never happened to me.
1: I would be feel terrible to be associated with anybody who's his friend. Good thing we don't know anybody like that.
0: Good thing we don't. Um, the next match after that was Robbie Eagles versus DJZ, which was DJZ's debut. He had some rough moments early, and then got the crowd back as the went on. There was the he was trying to do the dive, the Cope through the corner, it didn't work. He before he was doing the um, somber like rope fake, kind of kind of hanging the ropes, and that didn't go right either. And I think you pointed out that probably threw him off going for the dive, and, but it seemed like he got better as the match went along, and. They had some, some cool stuff in this match. Um, Rub Eagles went over. Uh, what did he do? Was this submission? he
1: did a submit? Yeah, it was a submission to set up again another point logic and lip building tonight. Three, he used uh, he had him in like an STF and then he turned it over,
0: right? What'd you think? Yeah. of this one?
1: I you know, I thought I was talking to DJZ after the show and he was pretty down on his performance, but I mean, aside from the slip up, which were back to back slip ups, so it was only about 20 seconds of awkward moments he was great in this match I thought this match was really good for two guys who had never seen each other they had really good chemistry they were the crowd that I talked to people who were watching this said that this is one of their matches of the night so I don't know why DJ Z was so down on himself I know wrestlers are harder on themselves than others are but I mean really good match DJ Z got in all his stuff he, he even brought along the DJ hit DJ sound effect which the crowd really popped for
0: yeah and yeah, that's much as part of his presentation now as the suit he wears to the ring.
1: Yeah, very professional the way he came out. I mean, especially in this building, his entrance looked super because it's just the, the, the outfit he wears with the lighting is made for a building like this. And yeah, good match. Nothing wrong with it, even though if you ask him, DJZ would probably tell you there was something wrong with it. And Eagles looked really good. I could totally see why there are people in PWG who go regularly that want him to be on every show.
0: Um, I'm reading the SoCal on results here. It reminds me, this is when the lights are to have problems. Ah, uh, yes. They explained why someone puked behind the side of a couch <laughs> and that's where some cables were. So that sounds like a great mess that someone had to clean up. But so it was a situation where they announced an intermission to fix the lighting problems and then they fixed it right away and canceled the intermission, which kind of threw people off for a couple minutes. Um, but
1: yeah, people who smoke ran out of the building to go smoke and then realized, oh shit, we got to go back in.
0: Yeah. And they came back in to see Jeff Cobb versus Darby Allen, which is exactly what you would want of a Jeff Cobb, Darby Allen match. Darby tried crazy things. Jeff Cobb threw him around in painful looking ways. Darby tried one thing too many and really, really paid for it. And then Cobb killed him. And that was, it was a pretty great match.
1: We had just seen, uh, the a w shows two weeks ago on all in weekend yeah. and i remember you had like the light of the weekend where you tweeted out like you know you know it's a bad idea if darby allen's having second thoughts about doing it mm. and we had that moment in this match where darby was watching jeff cobb laying on the apron and thinking about something and i turned to you because i knew it was the exact same moment yeah and of course he leapt to his death with the coffin dropped to nowhere this match was insane. I, I mean, shout out to my buddy Naylor, who, who he, knew, he knew Darby was going to kill it, but I don't even think he knew that Darby was going to kill it the way he did, where he basically killed himself, because he was taking all the crazy bumps. He did a coffin drop over the ring post to the floor. He did a tope almost to nowhere. He was just getting tossed around by Cobb. They did the spot that we saw first at AEW two weeks ago, where he Cobb had ACH and just spun him around like a frisbee. Mm-hmm. He did that to Darby in this match, and then the finish was a German suplex where Cobb was on the second rope inside the ring and pulled Darby from the apron all the way up and over, just complete madness. And up until this point, definitely the match of the night.
0: Right. I I thought this was just great. Uh, Cobb, because other people got more heralded, I think Cobb won the tournament without being like the most, well, really in recognition for what the matches had, but I don't think he was in a bad match all weekend. It was just other things going on kind of overshadowed him at times.
1: But this man, I mean, Darby did great. He got please come back afterwards. And I mean, I don't even need to guess he's already booked. We saw for the next show, he'll be back and he deserves it.
0: Um, another person who probably should be coming back, although he wasn't on the line. We saw today was Shingo Tagagi who defeated Elia Ilya Dragunov. I'm going to get this. Eventually. You have
1: actually, you don't because he didn't wrestle on the third night.
0: <laughs> yes. I guess I won't get this. Eventually. Well, uh, um, Tagagi, Continue the the tradition of just killing Dragonov with chops, just this really destroyed him brutally for a match that went a long way. Dragonoff kept coming back and fighting back, and he looked very impressive with the way he fought back. But this was just like shingle looking like a top guy. Um, like a guy who since he's out of Dragon Gate now, at least as a full time, is guy who would fit in any U.S. promotion he wanted to work with because he was just very sharp, very strong with what he did, and just very impressive overall.
1: Yeah, absolutely. he uh, did, I don't even need to say this match was hard-hitting. You know it was hard-hitting because Ilya unfortunately ended up with a slight concussion and couldn't work the next night. But these guys killed each other. The, I couldn't even believe the, the shots that these guys were taking. I was so impressed with Ilya in this match. I know I had friends who called this their entire, the match of the weekend, except for the finals. They were just so blown away, and they were really looking forward to this when the lineup got changed, and these guys ended up being paired together. I think the only match they were looking forward more to this was Shingo versus Walter. Uh, Just crazy stuff. They threw headbutts in this. They were were safe headbutts, but they look terrible. So I think that's what you aim for when you do a headbutt, right? You don't want them to be the uh Ishi style headbutts where like they actually connect and they look disgusting uh gray match and then he uh, Takagi, I love that move that he does where it's the what is he called the pub handle driver that he does
0: It's called the made in Japan I think is it the made
1: in Japan no, I think that's is, is the, I it's know the last me. it's the last falcony I think
0: okay, that sounds right
1: because I think made We'd in Japan this. is BB oh, Hall see.
0: yeah. yeah. Isn't it? You know, if, if we still could look up moves on Wikipedia, I would be able to tell you the answer right now.
1: Well, either way, he did that move where he sets up for the pump handle, and then he just drives, like Penta does it also, the same move. But he does it in a way where, like, he holds the guy up, then tries it a second time, so it looks like he's really struggling. And then on the third time, he brings the guy down. It looks so great. And that's how we finished off Elia, Just tremendous match. I would have this as, like, whichever way you want to go. I know I had one friend who gave this five stars. This is everything you could have wanted and more from these two.
0: Yeah, it was was pretty great. and So that was two really great matches in a row. And then that followed with Walter Timothy Thatcher, which was um, tag team partners coming up to the same music, just killing each other with chops just as hard. Walter is a very big man who hits very hard. (laughs) Um, Yes, And that's pretty much all the match was. Thatcher fought back as hard as he could, and then eventually just got blown over by a huge alert. And that was the end of Timothy Thatcher. Um, I thought this was real. This is not a match because these are not guys I watch a lot, and it's not the style I watch a lot, but I thought these guys were were excellent at what they did.
1: Same. They, they went at it. Walter stepped on his head. Walter chopped him. It sounded like gunshots going off. Thatcher got a really, really good... Uh, near-visual that he was going to win with the armbar submission. And then eventually Walter just put him away. It was, I had friends who are more into these guys than I am that said this was exactly what they wanted from these guys. So the one thing about if you come to a show like this, a PWG show, a bola show, you're going to get every style. Uh, yesterday was more flying. This show was more hard-hitting, strong style. And these guys delivered.
0: Yeah, it was more Shrunk style to that point. Then the main event, it kind of went back more to flying. We, yep. had, we had Seema and the Rascals, or Zachary Runtz and Desmond Xavier, everyone wearing the OWE gear, versus Bandido, Flamita, and Ray Horace. This was the time, because it's 11.49, it felt like it went a lot longer. It, it, right. Yeah, I think it was – it didn't feel – because I think that makes it shorter than the all-in match, and it didn't feel shorter than the all-in match. They were also moving, like – a mile a minute once this thing got started with once and Xavier matching up greatly with the Mexican guys and mm-hmm. SEMA feeling this was Sima's best match of the weekend because he just kind of he got he hit his spots and got out of the way when he needed to go out of the way. Um, Bandito and Flamita were great and and Horace was right there with them. I thought, um, this was this is real, was a really exciting? exciting trios match i think we were all just kind of blown away though at the finish where all three guys ended up pinning bandito after one hit is shooting star breast. that was not the finish i think anyone was expecting
1: yeah the guy who recapped this for the observer kind of has it right he said this match was a fever dream yeah. it certainly felt like that because when i went online afterwards and i saw that this match was only 11 15, two or 59 whatever you had it as I couldn't believe it because this felt like a 20-minute match to me considering everything they packed into it. Yeah, like I, There's no way. I thought it was a typo, and it was actually 21-52 or whatever. They, they did everything in this match. So many cool dives. Flamita might have gotten the highest I've ever seen on an assisted somersault dive. The way he got tossed and the way the building is, if you look at the picture, he's being backdropped higher than the second level of the balcony. It's crazy. Uh, they did all their stuff.
0: To- this was the match where Bandito, at least for this audience, debuted the Hatton Spring German Suplex, which apparently had been doing in progress before,
1: mm-hmm. but it
0: just blew everyone away because so I don't think anyone had seen it or was aware of it. They were just like kind of shocked that that was even possible. Might have been t- Ishimori might have done this match too. I thought I saw a mention of that, but it was just the way it came off in this match. It just came off as a... Like no one ex- under. Understanding that was about to happen, and Bandito did it perfectly. Where everyone was just blown away by by him pulling that off. If that was the finish, the, the crowd would have exploded.
1: He didn't do it in the Ishimori match in PWG. Okay, this was the debut. No, but, I mean, uh,
0: uh, Ishimori might have done it in a match in Japan.
1: Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Mm. I uh, yeah, the finish. The finish was the only disappointing thing about this match because everybody wanted Bandito to win. He was the baby face of the weekend. But if you're looking at this from the logic of you've got the tag champs on one side, plus you've got Sima, who is the legend that they've brought in and is clearly not going to go far in the tournament. This was kind of like his moment to get the big win at the end of the night. So at least they had all three guys pinning Banditos. So it looks like you know, it's not like one guy just went over him. But stellar evening, stellar ending to the evening. You've got every style, you got four great matches in a row. Everybody always says that. It's always the night two for some reason. Whatever the reason is, night two ends up being the show-stealing night. It was like that in 2015, 16, 17. And not this year, because night three ended up being the show-stealing Amazing Night. But night two was just off the charts. When you go back and you look at it, I mean, match of the night for me, if you ask me, was was the uh, Shingo, to, Shingo versus Ilya match. Followed closely by Jeff Cobb versus Darby, and then that main event. But you can put them in any order you want. I mean, yeah, all, those
0: last four matches were all killer matches that would have been a stand out right. great match on any other show. But just having them back to back to back to back was just made it like it just amazing way to end that show.
1: Yeah, if you're a star guy, I mean, everything 4.5 and above from those matches. So you can't go wrong. And if you're picking a worst match, I even hate using that term. I guess. By default, you have to pick Jonah Rock versus Sammy, but even that match was perfectly fine and very good. So just a stellar evening of action.
0: At that point, if, if that was the best show, then that would still have been a good Bolo weekend because that was just a great show to go to. But there was one more day left. Um, it was night three with a lot of matches. I think it's a full recap on this one. Um, it started off with Trevor Lee once again talking about how he just survived his hardest match, and yet he was <laughs> against Brody King, who he believed did not believe in God, and Brody King seemed to agree that he was correct on that.
1: And we're not at a good Charlotte, We're not at a fucking good Charlotte
0: concert. Yeah, no. Brody- Trevor Lee is such a great promo. He does kind of a similar act in AEW, and it's pretty good there too. But I thought he was even better with the material he had here.
1: Impact he- Superstar Trevor Lee.
0: He and. Brody King had a pretty great match that was, um, I thought, yeah, Brody King had a much better weekend here than I think he had in AEW when we saw him a couple weeks ago because he didn't end up concussed for one. But I thought... Although PCO tried his best. PCO did try his best, but I thought this was another pretty good match and a good way to start the the third show.
1: Yeah, very good match. The result was in doubt. I mean, either one of these guys could have advanced, and I couldn't, you know... It wouldn't have surprised me to see either of them move on. But Trevor League winning definitely made me happy, not because I think Brody's bad or anything, just because I wanted Trevor to cut another promo. I was the one who was saying that we need to just have Trevor cut a promo on every single participant left. That would have been, even if the show went six hours because of it, that's all I wanted to see. And Trevor won with his flipping slam where Brody charged him and Trevor just turned him around. Uh, Excellent way to start the show. crowd was red hot after this one.
0: Uh, it was followed by Jeff Cobb versus Ray Horse, which is personally hilarious because the last time I was in Los Angeles was <laughs> for the season three Ultima Lucha final for Lucha Underground, which had Matanza versus Dragon Azteca. This was the much better match of the two because Dragon, Dragon Azteca got killed like in the first few minutes, and then the match just kept on going in Lucha Underground. He did much better, had a much better fight. He pushed Cobb a little bit, even though Cobb still beat him with the Tour of the Islands at the end.
1: Yeah. Were you there for the cage match?
0: I was there for the cage match, yeah. Did
1: you know that Jeff Cobb has a a scar from that cage match?
0: I didn't know he had a scar from the cage match. I was looking at him. as We ran into him, or I saw him at one point. I was trying to see if I could see the scar from the punching the window thing, the glass thing. But I did not see that one either.
1: A lot of accidents Jeff Cobb had over in that temple. Yeah. And rumor has it he might be dying soon, if you can believe it. But yeah,
0: I, I, I can't believe such a thing would happen. We would definitely not spoil it on the podcast if it did.
1: <laughs> this match was good. I, they did a crazy spot earlier where it looked like Horace was going for the DDTJ, pizza DDT, whatever you want to call it. But instead, he turned it into a Frankensteiner. It was crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: He did a big springboard plancha.
0: Yeah, and I, the, I think o- that's the... the if- if say if Jeff Cobb's not working Lucha Underground, it'd be a shame because he's really good, he's turned into a really good worker with Luchadors, and you'd like to see more of that. And they showed why here.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, this was great, and the result I don't think was ever in doubt. I think Horace got his win, and nobody thought he was going to advance. Yeah, but they had a really good match. Uh, everything I could have wanted out of this, I, I really liked that they paired these guys together in the first round. Because if you had, if I was the one who was booking the tournament, I would have put these guys together.
0: This also makes it clear you're not the person booking the tournament because they met in the second round and said, "Right." The the next match was Shingo, Shingo Tagagi versus Robbie Eagles. Tagagi won to advance. This is the match where it really stuck out to me that how much Robbie Eagles has, does. So many same moves as Volador Junior <laughs> uh, when he did the top rope head scissors on Shingo, which is scary. A big move for Shingo to be taking, and it, it was a scary moment. Um, I think they kind of, they kind of worked that way with the the strong, hard-hitting guy against the Flyer, and I think that dynamic worked really well. Um, Eagles was not – I wouldn't put Eagles near the top of my list, but I thought he was pretty good overall on the whole weekend, and I thought he matched up well here.
1: Yeah, I had people saying that this was one of their top matches of the night. They were so impressed with Eagles' performance. I thought it was a very good match. Not in my top matches of the night, but this night had a really high standard, so please don't take that as a knock the crazy moves they built off night three because you had eagles going for the same submission that he beat djz with and i think shingo ended up actually tapping him out with the submission so just a great match hard hitting it had all the stuff that you said eagles doing the big moves and i cannot see any reason why eagles won't be back after his performance on the first night and in this match
0: yeah and also this PW E eagles shirt looking very nice i give him props for <laughs> that um the,
1: it was followed by... Jordan oh, sorry, Rowe. sorry. One thing from that match. He did a he did his flip dive through the ropes, yeah. and his feet actually caught the ropes, and oh, he went yes. straight that, down.
0: I remember that. That was a very scary moment. And that was, like, early yeah. on, if I remember right. So It was. It could have caused some problems, but they got worked out.
1: That was the thing. They were There were a couple of moments on this weekend where you had, like, we talked about the DJZ botch. Yeah. They had the Eagles botch. There was a, a spot that we'll get to in the Flamita-Bandito match that was a little off. But the crowd never got on them. And these guys are such pros that they just kept going. And it just shows like this was a great match. You don't, just because you blow something in a match, you have a so called botch, does not mean that it detracts from the match in any way.
0: This was filed by Joey Janela for SEMA, repeating the gimmick words Joey Janela is facing Japanese junior legends. this was also, it was not a great match. It wasn't all Shima this time. Joey Janela, we saw in day two, was not moving around too well. And I think he was probably, knowing that he was winning, He's probably trying to also just kind of get through this match because he had a lot more to do. Um, this, it was all right, but it was nothing I really remembered later on.
1: Yeah, they like on the first night, Joey won with the super kick, and he won with the super kick in this one, too. So they established it as the big move. So it was perfectly believable finish. Simo definitely worked harder than he did against Jody on night one. And he was fine. I mean, I wouldn't say this was a high end match, but this was a good match. Uh, Definitely one that to, to stick onto Joey's list where he racks up all the people he's facing. I think this weekend is the match where he's facing Nicho.
0: Yeah, that's that's the plan. I've seen the poster for the GCW show.
1: Yeah, so you know, Joey's going to continue. And Joey moves on in the tournament, which is really good because the crowd was really into him, and then I think it was the right decision because I don't think we needed another SEMA match. This was perfectly, you know, exact. They got every by bringing in SEMA, they got everything they needed out of him. Just an appearance, the big trio match on night two. Joey was the right choice to go on.
0: Yeah, and, and as it turned out, I'm sure they appreciated that. Both OWE guys did lose to the same person because maybe that politically that would have been an issue. So they yes. can around it. Um and that might have also been an issue with why the why that team won the Trios match on night two just to make sure they got a big win. Mm-hmm. Walter beat Jonah Rock next. They had a fight outside for a while before coming in. Their match actually wasn't that long. Walter beat five, up. Five minutes, I think. Walter beat up Jonah for a, it hit him hard. Jonah made the, a comeback. He did the Roman Reigns punch to get a Boo! Moved, which is really on a show like this. You know, it's also it's going to boost, but it also feels so cheapy-ish that I really didn't like it. Um Walter won with a power power bomb, but it was it was good, but it was not nothing special.
1: I thought it was great usage of these guys because we don't need to see Jonah in a fifteen to twenty minute match. And the crowd was definitely going to be on Walter's side over Jonah. So Jonah played the heel. And they ended it quickly. I thought, good booking, I will say. The match was whatever. I mean, the match was only five minutes, so there's only so much you can do. But it was the booking that stood out here that Walter got over, Jonah played the heel, and everybody left happy. And it was a completely different style than what followed.
0: Yeah. What followed was Bandito versus Flamito, which was a classic lucha match. It also played on the story that Bandito still sees Flamita as his senior and his, the bigger star, even though the crowd has totally behind Bandito and didn't see Flamita at the same level. Um, they had a great high flying match, um, that with lots of big moves trade. Um, some comment early about them being partners facing each other, but then it got serious later on. Bandito pulled out the same handspring German suplex again for the big win to set that up for later.
1: Yeah, they this was this was just uh, fantastic. They did all the stuff you would want them to do without going overboard, which was a good thing that I thought because Bandito had two more matches. They did crazy dives. They did. Uh, they tried to do the old. Not old, but the spot Benito and Templario do a lot, which is like a crazy spin onto the shoulders into a reverse yeah. Frankensteiner. The spin got a huge pop because nobody had ever seen it. But then Benito fell off Flamita's shoulders. And they kept going. I mean, nobody would have noticed except for us, basically, because we know what the spot is. Yeah. But if they would have pulled it off, I mean, the spin got the reaction. <laughs> Can you imagine if they actually would have followed with a reverse Frankensteiner the place where it came unglued? Uh, they also did the spot where Ben where uh, Flamita moonsaulted off Bandito's shoulders, which got a huge reaction, and yeah, just absolute craziness in this match. And then, like you said, they did the Flamita Bendito didn't want to fight Flamita, but Flamita forced him to fight him. Uh, this was actually supposed to be a first time ever match, but they actually did this match a week earlier on one of the spot one of the shows that they did a three they did three shows that weekend in the UK. I'm not sure which show had it, but I know that they ended up doing a singles match.
0: And the raw shows,
1: right? I'm not sure how many people knew about it though, because yeah. it was very under the radar.
0: Yeah, I think because they had a podcast convention or something, they probably got a little bit noticed. But I think for most people, this was the first time they had seen these two guys fight.
1: Yeah, and out of all the second round matches that we'd seen up until this point, I would have, I would have uh, Shingo and Eagles actually as number one. I would have this as number two. Uh, Cobb Horace is three, Lee Brody, and then Walter Jonah, followed by Joey and Seam at the bottom.
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it will go with the same order.
1: Then we had our intermission.
0: Right. Um, And it came back with the Rascals versus the Lucha Brothers?
1: No, Um, I think it was the Lucha Brothers versus the Rascals.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) It it, would seem like it was the Lucha Brothers versus the Lucha Brothers, because Xavier came out wearing a pentamask and Zachary Runs were Phoenix mass. They had mm-hmm. done the same kind of bit in AEW, but they in this time they did they kept the masks on to start the match and they did mirror spots for a while. And Xavier was just awesome as doing the Penta the Penta walk and Penta reactions. That was just it was great stuff. Once was good to with Phoenix and the spot of the match was Penta and Xavier being angry at each other, copying each other, and reaching and, hitting and tagging in the partner, only to realize they were tagging in the wrong partner because they got confused. Who was <laughs> so,
1: Amazing eventually. spot. Amazing.
0: Eventually, Penta and Phoenix unmatched, unless Wentz and Xavier, and the match got a little bit more serious, but it was still a, a fast-paced, very athletic match. and Those two teams really matched up well.
1: How is this a fucking bonus match? Like, how lucky are we that like yeah. we're seeing the, one of the best tournaments of all time, and our bonus match is something as good as this?
0: This is this is amazing. I, it it I it amazes me how far Xavier's come because the first time I saw him, the first time I went to the um an AEW show at Bourbon Street because that was the where Penta and Phoenix were doing their first match when they first stirring around. Xavier was just like an extra guy teaming with Congo Kong, who was. It was the comedy that he, Kongu Kong didn't really need a partner and beat up his partner at the end. and He didn't get anything in and didn't look any impressive. And he was such a, a, a jobber guy. And now he's just a very big star who wrestles amazing matches. And it just it, it seems like that's come, come along in a short time. But he and once were really great together here. And obviously, this was for the PWG tag team titles. I don't think anyone thinks that Phoenix and Pender would need the tag titles. I thought they might win. I thought it feels like... They, PWG's kind of moved on past Panther and Phoenix that they're not full-time there anymore, even though Phoenix is coming back for a next show. So I did not see them. It seems like Watson and Xavier are the new hotness and they kind of showed that in this match.
1: Yeah, the, the match was fantastic. They did all the cool shit. The double, each team got in double dives. I loved it. And I don't think I've ever seen it before. They did the Columbo package pile driver double stomp on the apron, which looked like the sickest fucking thing ever. Yes. Desmond did his 619 around the ring post. Almost, no, actually he did on the swing back. He hit the guy in front of me. And then like a second later, Phoenix did a cool spot. And I elbowed the same guy who got hit by Desmond. I felt so bad about it. I apologized profusely. Hmm. But uh, yeah, the match was crazy. They did the, the they won with their assisted shooting star press deal. And couldn't ask for anything more. The crowd gave them a standing ovation afterwards. There was money thrown. It, it kind of felt like when they were leaving the ring that it was like an adios for the Lucha Brothers, but then, like you said, Phoenix is on the next show, so I assume Penta's going to be back too at some point.
0: Yeah, or maybe they just don't know when Penta's going to back, but I'm sure Phoenix knew he had an idea he was coming back then, so it was kind of odd, but they're kind of like in the Emirates status where they're just kind of there for um, big matches, but maybe not the bigger in the title picture as much. That's my guess. I don't know. You know people well, J- looking better than I do. I didn't
1: see you uh, mention this in the daily update today or yesterday, but did you see Court's tweet about the Lucha
0: Brothers? Uh, I I I'm avoiding MLW talking about that because they started things and then they undid things, and I'm not sure I should believe them at all.
1: Okay, fair enough. But they did, for whatever it's worth, Court did tweet that they have ensured he. I think the exact quote was, "He moved heaven and earth." to ensure that the Lucha Brothers will be splitting time between MLW, Impact, AAA, and CMLL until the end of 2019, which would be next year.
0: Yeah. I, I know Wrestling Observer today reported that they're signed through at least a fifth season. So um, Lucha Underground wasn't mentioned that, but that's probably what's actually going on there is that they're, they, the idea of them going to WWE couldn't happen because they're still in their contract, at least as long as Lucha Underground exists. And, Everyone assumes that Woodrow is coming back for a fifth season at this point. And that really, I mean, that's what really annoyed me about the story in the first place because that was the first thing people had to figure out if these guys were actually free to go anywhere. And it could have been solved by someone finding out what their contract's ass is and everyone just kind of ran with it anyway. So, but that's, unless, do you want to have the conversation about wrestling journalism right now or do you want to talk about the rest of this card? I want it. to talk about the rest of this amazing card,
1: okay. including this next match, which I give five stars to.
0: It was Jeff Cobb defeating Trevor Lee. I is twenty seconds, but I didn't actually have a timer; I just kind of guessed. Um, so Kael has fourteen. I think I saw seventeen seconds either. It was just Trevor Lee being annoying, tri- Trevor Lee insulting Jeff Cobb, and then Jeff Cobb just surprising him from behind with a suplex, and then the tour of the islands and killing him. And I think with Trevor Lee and maybe with Sammy Gravarr, I think people were were. were hated them enough that this was a perfectly fine finish and everyone just went nuts and then this quickly when they weren't really expecting it and for the overall picture of the show it was probably a good idea to have a very short match because they had some very long matches to come
1: exactly i mean when you talk about what a five-star match is a five-star match is what's generally deemed to be a perfect match. This was a perfect match. The whole weekend built to this. All of Trevor Lee's antics built to everybody just wanting to see him get killed. Nobody was unhappy because they just saw two guys wrestle for only 14 seconds. They, they established everything. They established Cobb as a monster. They got Trevor Lee. Uh, Trevor Lee was the big heel that everybody wanted to see get pinned. And he, Cobb looked so impressive doing it. It was amazing. Like The crowd, the reaction for this was the only only second to the main event reactions.
0: Yeah, I, it's just people went nuts when it happened because they, they did not see it coming and They were very happy it happened, so it, mm-hmm. it could not have gone any better.
1: And like you said, the show eventually ended up going four and a half hours. We didn't need another 20-minute match.
0: No. This was followed by Bandido versus Joey Janela. Um, I thought this was the better Joey Janela, easily the better Joey Janela match of the two on this day. He seemed much more into it. Um, they... These are two guys who probably. I don't think this, this is probably the first time they've wrestled. I know it's the first time they wrestled, but it's probably maybe the first time they've met, except if they ran into each other all in. Um, but they. Yeah, that's true. They, I think they mesh really well. I think they kind of played off their different styles, pretty well. Um, I was amused that there was a spot where Bandito was inexplicably asking everyone to throw chairs in, which didn't really make any sense. But then I think they realized that if. the the fans love Bandito so much that if Janela asked for the fans to throw chairs in, they might not actually throw the chairs and they need (laughs) the chairs to set up some other spots. They did the Bandito handspring um, German suplex into a chair. Insane. Janela does a spot with a chair where suplexer gets tossed into it a lot of times, but this was like the best version of it. And then they did set up a Joel leader like, Chair table in the corner to set up a spot where Janela was going to do something with Bandito, but Bandito reversed it to the uh, the Guerrero Munsal through um, the through the chairs for the win, and that was just an awesome moment.
1: Well, if it was Joe Leader's spot, he would have had the referee and people at ringside helping him set up the stuff, so.
0: and he would have been bleeding already, and no one was bleeding at that point.
1: Exactly. Yeah, this was just craziness. At one point, Bandito did like the Fosbury flop dive while Janela was sitting in a chair on the floor. Yeah. All the props in the world to Joey Janela for doing this match because he was really banged up after the previous match. Yeah. Uh, he fought through here. He took all the big bumps. He made Bandito look great by taking the German and the fallaway slam. I mean, just fantastic. And the reaction when Bandito put, like. I was a little. I was wondering because Joey was over as a babyface too for the weekend. The crowd really liked him, but it was so obvious when Bandito pinned Joey. They're like, "This was Bandito's crowd. Like they could have put him against, and who else was a big baby? They could have put him against Marco Stunt, who got over huge on the second night as a babyface, and the crowd still would have loved Bandito for beating him up."
0: Yeah, Bandito. You know, again, this is a PWG outsider trying to pretend like he knows what PWG is about. But it feels like Bandito. Um, it, the fans respond to Bandito as if he's a homegrown guy in the promotion that doesn't usually have homegrown guys because he was not a big name before he. To most of these people before he came to PWG and he's kind of made his name over the last few months there. It, it, found, it feels like they have more ownership over Bandito and more trust in Bandito, and also Bandito is just a classic babyface who there's, he's totally a good guy and it comes across that in the ring and everyone finds it very easy to cheer for him. So. Um, it's they he's. I don't know if the fans believe he's the best guy, but I think they definitely believe he's their guy. And they completely on, especially at night three, they were they were strongly behind him in every single match he had.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing about Bandito is like he oozes charisma. He he has it down perfect, like more than a guy like Phoenix. Even he's just so charismatic. You want to love the guy. That's why I'm terrified. WWE is eventually going to realize that and be like, this is the guy we need, and then bring him in to do nothing. Like, I mean, I like Grand Metallic, obviously. Masquer is my one of my top five favorite wrestlers ever, but he is not exactly the most charismatic guy in the world. He gets over based on the cool spots he does. Whereas Bendito is a guy who can do the cool spots, but also is so easy to form a connection with. And that's the kind of guy that WWE could have as like their future Hispanic superstar.
0: Yeah, that's, that's also, I would say, the difference between him and Flamita is that he connects to mm-hmm. to these crowds a lot better. Definitely. The last semifinal match was Shingo Takagi versus Walter. I there were a lot of people very excited when the last match started because they realized this was the only semifinal left and <laughs> yeah. two guys had to be against each other. Um, this kind of lived up to those expectations for people who were that excited for it. They were just killing each other. Um, Walter was like this invincible, strong guy, and Tagagi just went after him and went after him and chopped him down, and it came closer and closer, and you weren't sure if he was going to actually be able to to beat Walter. And then he finally – there was a couple times where he, he – I believe Walter kicked out of Tagagi's finish, and it seemed like, well, that was – it's not going to happen. But Tagagi finally got a huge lure just to take Walter out, and it was a – a Big moment, and obviously, it's something that's going to set up a title match down the road.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. There was a chop in this match that was one of the sickest chops I've ever experienced live. Like, yeah. I thought he was, I thought Shingo was dead. That was insane. And yeah, great match. It was, there were people sitting across from us who are my friends who specifically said the only match, just like I went into this weekend saying, the only match I want to see for sure is Flamita Bandito. They came here wanting to see Shingo versus Walter. It wasn't booked for the first round, so they were just hoping to get it at some point. A lot of people were thinking those two were actually going to make the finals. That was one of the picks that I saw going around regularly. And these guys delivered. They gave everything, and I'm sure PWG fans are going to get to see it again because Shingo deserves the title shot. He beat the champion.
0: Yeah, and he deserves deserves to be back. If he wants to be back in PWG, he, he had a great performance in every single match he had, so... Mm-hmm. I'm sure he, they would want him back.
1: And then we did the the most anticipated yearly five-on-five match, which this year had a lot less comedy.
0: Yeah, well, it had less Chuck Taylor, too, which was a, a sad disappointment that I could see Chuck Taylor and PWG. But it did have Puma King... Dan Barry, Jarby Allen, PCO, and Jody Fleisch. You can tell I'm reading SoCal okay, on centers of lineups. I'm just reading exactly where they have it. Um, the, that team faced Tiok, DJZ, Timothy Thatcher, Amberks Burks, and David Starr. So it's pretty much everyone who was eliminated in the first round, except Dragunov was out hurt, um, and Marco and, and Sammy had other places to be on Sunday. So Dan Barry was there doing interviews, I believe, for high spots. So Dan Barry got to wrestle in the match. Um, and they they took advantage of it because they had him do his um, gun spots for a comedy thing in the middle of it, um, which was amusing because everyone played up big and Timothy Thatcher ignored it at all and was very upset that this comedy junk was happening in a serious wrestling match. <laughs> um, he, he played his role well, perfectly, because then they went back to it at the end where Dan Barry tried to pull the gun on him again and, and Thatcher just was not having it. And it played into the finish a little bit. Um, PCO did PCO things. I think Puma King and PCO got to be the most unlikely tag team of all time. Um, DJZ, I think, got to do a cool dive.
1: Was Puma King even born when Quebec or Pierre was around?
0: That's a good question. Was <laughs> it like 1996? No, yeah, he would have been
1: around. Oh, Quebec or Pierre would have been like 93.
0: Oh, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking John Pierre Lafayette. Um, hmm. yeah, it's, I think he would have been around, but that's cutting a little close. Uh,
1: yeah, this match was... I mean, they did, the like you said, the gun spot, and then PCO turned the gun on himself because yeah. he wants to kill himself, basically. He's insane. Yeah. The It was... It, I wouldn't say... I mean, I've seen the past 10 men's obviously, in previous years. They were much better than this. This wasn't a high-end match, but everybody got a chance to shine. DJZ and Puma did their lucha early on. They did a big dive sequence where everybody got to jump. Jordy Fleisch did his springboard shooting star press, which everybody wanted to see. Puma, bum DJZ onto everybody. It was very good. The finish was a little confusing to me because it was like, uh, who had the submission? I think Thatcher had a submission on Dan Barry and then PCO came off the top with a Swanton that looked like it kind of missed, but kind of didn't. Yeah. And Thatcher still had the choke on, but let it go. And then grabbed it back, but still got pinned. It was just very confusing to me.
0: It, yeah, it, it seemed like the it missed. I mean, most of the Swanton's, you know... Uh-oh. Spoiling the reference for you. It seemed like they kind of missed on purpose, but this one seemed like it missed a little bit more and most. And it was, it was like Thatcher getting pinned, but he had submission on. So it was the comedy of Dan Barry getting the win, even though he's being killed. So,
1: And T Hawk was in this match, but technically he wasn't in this match. I'm pretty sure that the way they had this laid out was it was going to wind up with T Hawk and Ilya Dragunov in the ring, probably doing a chop exchange or working together a lot. Mm-hmm. And once Ilya couldn't do the match and Dan Barry got inserted, Dan Barry versus t isn't exactly a matchup that would really work. So t kind of just stayed out of the way, did his job catching the dives and being he, in the ring for the comedy. But that's about it.
0: Yeah, he, he got caught by a PCL at one point, but that's about all I remember of him.
1: Yeah. And then we had a very short five-minute intermission just to give the guys in the main event a little more rest.
0: Yeah, and they came back out for another long match with Jeff Cobb Shingo Takagi and Bandito. I know going into the match, I think I would say that I'm not sure if everyone thought this, but I know my mindset was that I really want Bandito to win, but also in my mind I'm thinking Bandito versus Walter probably is not a great match to make, and either the other two guys would make uh, would make more sense, especially since Takagi had already beaten Walter, but also Takagi had already beaten Walter, so maybe he won the tournament. Um, they got Takagi out there early. I think the three way was good but not exceptionally good but once it got to and then Cobb and Bandito once they first started I think the first couple spots were a little bit iffy and it was a little bit like is this going to go what people wanted to go but people were so into Bandito winning and they were so into and the match just kind of really improved. Bandito did some impressive stuff that he had not done at any other point in the tournament which was just amazing if you think about it. Um, Being able to do some of Cobb's Huge suplex spots on Cobb himself, which is amazing.
1: And oh, that spot where Jeff Cobb jumped and Benito caught him. What a yeah. reaction.
0: That's that's going to be get so many retreats and favorites once it's finally gift onto Twitter because it was just, you could not believe some of the stuff was happening. There were so many spots where that would have been a perfect finish, a perfectly acceptable finish for either guy winning the tournament. And it just kept on going and going and it just kept on escalating to the point where you were totally unsure of who's going to win until Cobb finally killed Bandito at the end, but it was a amazing, intense way to get there. I think it's going to be a match where people are going to watch it knowing that Jeff Cobb won and still be fooled multiple times that thinking that Bandito was about to win this match and that they had read the finish wrong all that time.
1: Fuck. I mean, I, I was watching it live and going crazy i didn't know the result ahead of time but i mean logically speaking Cobb was going to win this it, it just seemed that way the way everything was going down but i bought so many of those bandito near falls just absolutely insane i don't want to give away the exact near falls because everybody will see it when the dvds come out but there's two in particular that stand out where i was like screaming that was three because it, it looked like it was three it was so close and so well done and Shingo going out first. I know there were a couple people who were kind of disappointed in that, but I mean, Bandito getting to eliminate Shingo was a really big deal for him. So that was kind of like his victory of the night. Yeah. And yeah, that I mean, there's no point going on. Just you have to see this match. Five stars, my match of the year. I mean, even though you said they had a rough rough time starting off, I mean, they the way they finished was. It couldn't have been better. It was. This is my match of the year, bottom line. And the post-match stuff was just tremendous. Jeff Cobb gave a great speech. Bandito gave a great speech and also had his father come into the ring, which was a great story in itself. Just so emotional. But I wrote on Twitter, and I stick by the statement, the most emotional I've ever been invested in a match live since we were at Atlantis versus Ultimo Guerrero.
0: Yeah, I feel the same way. It's up there with the anniversary mass matches that we saw. Just the emotion, the intensity.
1: Everybody on their feet, like not not just everybody in the building for the last ten minutes, yeah. just on their feet, screaming and just like exasperated at every near fall.
0: Yeah, and just like, counting along, everyone thinking this is the one they were counting through, except it just kept on going and it just. Kept... Si se puede chance. Yes, it was. You could. Uh, this was Mexican Independence Day, and I don't know how the honest uh, makeup is on normal PWG shows, but we had. Uh, Oh, strong Latino irons and we had people with a Mexican flag that they were holding up in support of Bandito throughout the show. So um I think there was,
1: there was definitely uh there was definitely a Hispanic, you know, us versus them mentality because that we with the C Sepuena the people who don't speak Spanish had no idea what was being chanted, so they didn't know what to say back.
0: Yeah. Um there was definitely support for Hab. I don't don't wanna Totally understand the people who were behind Cobb and people who also so everyone was behind Bandito and they wanted to make sure Cobb was properly treated as well. But it mm-hmm. was it was people living and dying in every near fall. It's exactly what you want of a wrestling match. I think the tournament built so well that you owe it to yourself to get all three all three Blu-rays when it comes out. But if if your budget only allows the third one, then I think you're still going to be happy with seeing that just the last night.
1: And after the match, Bendito sold even more, merch, even more merch, if that's humanly possible, because he was making a killing all weekend.
0: Yeah. Um, I was just... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I don't know where I'm going.
1: No, I just wanted to like put a wrap-up... Well, I mean, we don't need to go through best match of the night. I think we both agree the main event was the best match of the night.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, the only way it's not going to be the, my match of the year is if I forget to vote for stuff that's not Lucha, because it's the best match of the year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And then uh, as for tournament MVPs, I would put Bandito as number one. I would put probably Shingo as number two, maybe Jeff Cobb. but varies between them. But those are the three guys who made the final or the three guys who should have been there. And then Ilya should be up there too because he had a great tournament. Uh, I think that the one thing that I took away from this weekend is like just so proud of the Mexican contingent. They, they all did great, every single one. It's just amazing that like – Go back to our podcast from a year ago. I mean, did we We probably didn't even mention many. If we did, it was probably like, oh, check out highlights of this Lucha Memes match that you're never going to see in full. But this guy is so good. We just wish that somebody would discover him and he would get a chance to be out there. And that Dragon Game match basically changed his life.
0: If, if we talked about him in 2017, it was more moaning that we didn't have First because Elite was over. And mm-hmm. the, he, that was just like the last year for him. But it turned around so quick because... He had the good match with Flamita and Flima Flamita and Shima both recommend thought highly of him and bring him in for the once versus Xavier match. Once once and Xavier are pivotal people in the history of Literal Libre, at least when this comes to Bandito, because that, that drag gate match, as you said, that got them booked everything. that's really what opened the doors for all four of those guys to more places. So um well, and
1: you know, this is one of these you know that movie, remember that movie Sliding Doors with Gwyneth Paltrow?
0: I, I never saw the movie, but I I, rem- I remember the, the the concept.
1: Right. So the premise is, you know, if you make this train, your life goes one way. If you don't make the train, your life goes another way. Yeah. This this is basically the story of Bandito. And I'm sure as he becomes a bigger star, this will end up being the story that's told. This is like sliding doors moment because it, uh, most people don't know this, but like the Dragon Gate tour came down to a choice. It was two guys. Two They needed partners for Flamida, and it was down to... Uh, it was down to Bendito or Golden Magic. And Bendito ended up being picked for whatever reason. I mean, I don't know what the reason was, but he was the one who was picked.
0: I think it was Benito's mother, but go
1: on. I mean, whatever. Whoever, I don't know who made the decision, but whoever it was picked him. Mm. And I mean, who knows? I'm not saying Golden Magic would follow exactly where Bendito is right now, but Golden Magic definitely would have gotten the exposure and Bendito wouldn't have. Yeah. And it'd be a case where me and you would be screaming, hey, this guy Benito's really good. Get him on some shows. But without that Dragon Game match, who knows if it ever happens?
0: Right. What we've seen is um, Luchadors can finally get booked in the U.S., but they kind of have to still do it off stuff that's not happening in Mexico. I mean... Penta and Phoenix got it from Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. Hector Ciro, which is something that's happening today, that probably why we're doing the podcast at midnight because we were busy talking about heterocero Zero for the last two hours before we started this podcast. He got it because um he's been had good matches that have been seen outside the US, even if they're just just in Mexico. It, it's uh Fumita made it from Dragon Gate, Ray Horse made it from Lucha Underground and from doing other stuff in the US on its own. Uh, it it it's still a, a problem where people don't see the Mexican matches, but the Mexican, but the people. It's still a problem with the U.S. fans don't see the matches, but at least sort of like the U.S. promoters are aware of the Mexicans when they go other places and starting to open some doors. Um, it's not like getting us that Aramis is going to be booked in AEW next next week, but it's kind of progressing a little place because people are getting some breaks.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like you said, I mean, next PWG show was announced tonight. We've got more Lucha influence than ever. The openers: is versus Ray Horus versus Puma King in his return match. Phoenix versus Bandito in a first-time-ever matchup. I believe that's correct. I don't remember them ever facing each other. Do you?
0: I do not remember that happening before.
1: Right, so that that's going to be amazing. I think they're two, they're two of my top favorites right now. And then the match that shocked the world Zack Sabre Jr. versus Hechicero in a match that has been building for a while that three different promoters tried to do, or were I think two tried to do it and one was suggested to do it, which would be CMLL, but CMLL, CMLL. Couldn't pull it off in Mexico, and PWG is finally going to get to do it. And all this comes off uh, Zack Sabre going after, for a well, while, first he challenged Hechicero, or Hechicero challenged him after the Negro Novaro match over a year ago. Right. And then you had the incident right before WrestleMania weekend where people misinterpreted something Zach did as insulting towards Mexicans. And everybody wanted to see him get back in the ring with a Mexican, but Zach doesn't tour in Mexico. So this will be the first chance for Mexico to go exact revenge in the form of Hechicero, who I'm curious to see how he comes off in PWG.
0: Yeah. Zach doesn't tour pretty much any place besides New Japan much now these days. So Zach mm-hmm. doing this is a match that clearly he wanted to do, otherwise it would not be happening because he doesn't really need to go out of his way to do these kind of matches. So he's looking yeah, forward the- to it. It's really... I think Hector Ciro also is looking forward to it, and this is kind of... If he's seen what's happened with Bandito and with other guys, this is a chance for him to make a big name for himself if that's what he wants to do.
1: Yeah, the last time Zach was actually in PWG, I was there, which would be back in March. So this is, a, like you said, this is a rare appearance for him showing up. This is... Definitely an all-star match, and I see a lot of people that are looking forward to it. And thankfully, I'm a guy who people don't like to interact with on Twitter because I can be abrasive. So it'll be your job to teach the world about who Hechicero is. And
0: see, the funny thing is that people say that they go to me for, for that sort of stuff, but then when I see what they write or see what they say, they I can tell that they don't actually do that. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what they find out themselves. But this is going to the discussion that we didn't want to have, so I don't think we can have this discussion. We could. we just need to leave on the good note that we were I really like the shows. I'm really glad I went to Bola. In no way would I would I have thought that I would want to come back out in October. I don't think I'm going to do that still, but I'm kind of thinking I'm always open to the idea where I wouldn't have been before because the show was just so great. I don't know if there's gonna be ever a PW show just like this. They may who knows, they may be it next year, but this is just an amazing thing to see, just for the reactions to the bandito, which is I mean, I've been Excited about Bandito the last few months. I've been tweeting about him probably way too much. But even then, it kind of it, it exceeded my expectations and reactions to he was getting on these shows.
1: Yeah, and it was a pleasure having your company. I think uh, we spent most of the weekends with the High Spots crew, or well, you spent most of the weekend with the High Spots crew. I was actually part of the crew and just could not have gone better. We were, uh, I thought we had a great time. We went sightseeing on Monday all together as a group.
0: Yeah, you seem to really enjoy that.
1: I'm sure you guys enjoyed it more than me, but I'm more of a travel for wrestling type person. But just fantastic. Another successful bowl of the weekend. Everybody at PWG, like the nicest group of fans I have ever been around. Everybody was man, I make so many new friends on that weekend. I I love wrestling fans so much, except on Twitter. Why are we so mean to each other?
0: Because that's that's it's shorter, that's what you do. I was gonna say. I saw a lot more in LA than I think I've seen in the two Lucha Underground things. So I think I did better this year than I've done in the previous years. I think I'm only allowed one trip to LA per year. So I think (laughs) I'm allowed to go back, but I'm glad I did.
1: Good for you. I I spent most time at the Globe Theater, but I know you had a lot of uh, independence, so you were out there, and I'm happy for you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Now I just got to convince you to come back to Mexico at some point.
0: Yeah, at some point, maybe. I don't know. I'm still... I, I, I I bought... tickets for events in new york and i thought the, the debate if i'm actually going to use them but the only the, the really we should say the real disappointing thing is that our friend alex could not make be with us for the shows because he was yes until, and it was really unfortunate and completely unfair situation that he wasn't able to be there so hopefully he will have he's young he'll have other wrestling adventures that he'll get to brag about that we won't get to see so um i'm hoping it all works out for him
1: yeah, I did send him a message. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of avoided sending him messages all weekend. I know he's listening to this, but yeah. just to explain to everybody else. I avoided sending him messages because I knew what a city sh- shitty situation it was. And, you know, I don't want to come up with the asshole so who's like, oh my God, you should have seen this match. It was amazing. I didn't know how to handle the situation. So I waited until after the weekend just to message him. And he's disappointed. I mean, we were disappointed. I was looking forward to seeing him. You were going to stay with him. But, Hopefully the situation gets resolved and he can come out to Bola next year. If not, and the situation doesn't get resolved, it's really only a U.S. situation. We can still see him in Mexico at some point. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that because I know he he was heartbroken not being able to come out. This would have been his. This would have been an amazing weekend for him to see. I, I can already see that he would have just been going crazy.
0: Yeah, but hopefully there'll be other shows that he gets to go crazy about too. So.
1: Yep. And we got to see our old friends, Rainey and Cecilia again. Well, I've seen them. Well, we just saw them both in Chicago. What am I saying? Yeah. This has been like, it's a, it's crazy. When we saw each other in Chicago, I couldn't believe I even said, oh, I'll see you in two weeks. When we There was no like, hey, goodbye. I won't see you until next year. And now we got to see each other two weeks later. It's crazy.
0: It's crazy. It, and it probably won't work out this way ever again. But it was nice that it worked out this time.
1: Probably not. Unless there's like some crazy Mexico trip before WrestleMania weekend, which you are actually locked into.
0: Yeah, which which sounds unlikely on every count.
1: So it is, and Benito is the first name announced for WrestleCon. I should put that out there. Yeah, he obviously, will be on the show.
0: Absolutely, he's a bigger star coming off that weekend. I think he's going to be an even bigger star when those when those shows go out. Um, but we'll, I'm looking forward to see how he does on other indie promotions following up on this one. It's the same sort of reactions because he's so good that he should. But it'll be also a matter of People understanding how to use him, so and he's still unfamiliar that it may take some time for him to get there. But he seemed to do well in AAW when we saw him there, so that it's a good sign. He also has Dragon Gate commitments, another commitment that he has to take care of. It's a very important AAA tag team title shot that he and familiar have to have. <laughs> that totally was genuine, and they weren't pointing out that it was still happening just because they just to troll me. It was totally something that they really invested in.
1: Um, all right, let's wrap it up.
0: Yeah, this is supposed to be a quick podcast. It does not look like it was a quick podcast, but I hope you enjoyed hearing about Bolo. We enjoyed talking about it. Um, again, it's definitely worth all your time. He's a high spots employee, so maybe he's biased a little bit. But I make no money from anything, as if you saw from my YouTube stuff today. So you should. I, I make no money from you watching it, but I think you enjoy watching it if your person listens to this podcast. Um. We will be back at some point. We have no particular plan since there's no shows coming up of note. Maybe maybe in October. We'll see. Maybe later. Eventually at some point we'll find something to talk about. But we'll be back after
1: else? Jeff after Jeff Jarrett gets out of shaving his head one more time.
0: Yeah, maybe. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> Do you have anything else you need to plug?
1: Nope. I just can't wait till the Bola video the video previews get leaked. I'm gonna be sitting on YouTube until they come out.
0: Yeah, those will be great. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll be back again later.